Good morning. Welcome to Wake Up Carolina. Monday morning, January 23rd, 843-661-0937. Good morning, Royal Rev of Radio. Good morning. Morning, Freehold. Morning. Hope everybody had a um, a glorious and spectacular weekend. <laughs> um, big weekend of NFL football. Probably the best football weekend all year. I mean, despite being a big college football fan, there's something pretty awesome about playoff football in the Northeast with snow on the ground as long as I'm not in it. Right. I mean, I like the visual of football being played in the snow. I don't like there. the practical reality of watching a game in the snow in person. Thinking about it, I don't think I've ever seen. I've never watched a live sporting event. And I'm talking about in the stadium, in the venue, in the arena with bad, bad weather like that. I mean, I've been in cold weather down south, one of these rare, you know, cold spells toward the end of the year. A game up in Death Valley at Clemson, um, you know, late in the year. I mean, I've been up there in the 30s. But I don't think I've ever watched a, you know, any sporting event, baseball or or football, and obviously basketball is different because it's indoors. Indoors. Um, so so it doesn't really matter much about what well, the outside climate is when the games are indoors. But um, but, but the Cowboys are still one of the marquee brands. They just um, their quarterback just is not as good as the other uh, as the Buffalo Bills quarterback, the Philadelphia um, Eagles quarterback. Um, give me another one here. Uh, Cincinnati Bengals quarterbacks, probably the best of the bunch, in all honesty. And um, and it's such a quarterback centric league. The 49ers are weird. I mean, they've got a really good defense. A lot of electric Christian McCaffrey and Debo Samuel are kind of um. Debo, uh, they're they're funky man. I mean, those guys you can get the ball in their two hands in their forehands. Um, <laughs> you know, a lot of different places and a lot of different ways, so they can get by with having you know, a backup to a backup, Mr. Irrelevant third-string quarterback, and just don't don't make mistakes. I mean, their defense is good enough. Their skilled people are good enough. Just tell that quarterback, hey, uh, there's a reason you're Mr. Irrelevant. You, you can't make all the throws. You, you're not quite as um, physically talented as a Joe Burrow or a Josh Allen, so just don't goof it up. You know what I mean? Just don't make mistakes, and he didn't make mistakes yesterday, and Prescott made two mistakes for the Cowboys and the, um, you know, Jerry Jones has enough money. We talked a little bit about this last week. It's kind of an interesting human psychology component here. Jerry Jones has enough money to buy anything he wants. And he normally does. Except football acumen. <laughs> I mean, it's you, got to drive him crazy because, oh, you know, it. You know he's, he's a, he's a, um, he's one of these high risk, high reward guys. He's a man's man, so to speak. I mean, he runs the team like he wants to. He's the only uh, owner in the NFL that has a weekly press conference. I mean, imagine that. So the coach has a weekly press conference, and then Jerry has his weekly press conference. But the one thing Jerry Jones can't buy is football acumen. Um, I'm not saying he doesn't know football, because he does. But he doesn't know how to put a roster together. He doesn't know how to put a team or assemble um, a conglomerate of talent um, sufficient to beat san francisco or philadelphia or the giants or whomever he's competing with and i think it's a little bit humorous that the guy who has enough money to buy anything he wants and does i mean you know jerry lives big he just can't quite buy um the ability to win a super bowl uh, i guess the high water mark for the cowboys obviously would have been jimmy johnson as the coach the herschel walker trade made them a fixture in the nfl playoffs for a period of time but when Jimmy Johnson left, remember they won the one with Barry Switzer? And I think Jerry Jones said, well, this is easy. I mean, I'm just, I'm richer and I'm smarter. I mean, it's obvious I'm richer and I'm smarter than all these other 
Uh, and it's been a, um, I mean, it's been a slog since then. I think they won a playoff game last weekend for the first time in 20 some odd years. I mean, imagine that now the yeah. Dallas Cowboys going 20 years without winning a single playoff game. And um, I think the the last time they were in the NFC championship game would have been 1997 ish. So that's 20. So in better than a quarter decade, the Dallas Cowboys have not gone to a NFC championship game and they won't um, this year. It seems to me we have the right four teams. You know, we're talking about college football to the 14 playoff. Should Alabama have been in? Should TCU have been in? You know, we found out the TCU got a bit uh, out over their skis when they played um, Georgia, but they upset Michigan. Um, but I think the NFL got it right. I mean, I think the AFC has the two best teams in the Bengals and um, and Kansas City Chiefs. And I think of the NFC, the Eagles and the 49ers are the four best teams. So nobody's backed into anything. Um, four good teams uh, making their way to the uh, proverbial Super Bowl at some uh, point in time. Other quick sports story. You ready? And I told you guys that this was um, a concern I had as a Gamecock fan. Remember the story last week about the kid that wanted to transfer from Missouri? Yep. The, you asked me about it. I mean, what do you know Jeff about Shrejan Jeffcoat? Um, he committed yesterday to Arkansas. Saw that. And remember the argument I made last week about the um, the linear graph. And on one end of the graph is, you know, I'm not breaking the rules. I don't care if I lose every game. I'm just not pushing the envelope. I'm not taking any chances. I'm dotting every I. I'm crossing every T. Um, I'm not putting my reputation as an institute of higher learning at risk. Um, I don't care if I go 0 and 11. On the other end of the spectrum of the linear graph is, you know, a team that says, I don't dot any I's, cross any T's. If the kid can play, we'll figure out a way to get him here. I mean, whatever the rules are, the rules are. And if we can win, we'll win. And if we win consecutive national championships and go 10 years of probation, it's worth it. So you've got two extremes. You've got one extreme. I ain't breaking no rule. I don't care if I lose every game. I'm breaking every rule as long as we win games. I mean, those would be the two extremes. I've argued that the the University of South Carolina historically has been on the wrong side of the 50. Those are the two end zones. You got a 50-yard line. That's kind of the um that's the point of equilibrium, Reb, where you're figuring out a um a quantitative balance in how many rules we break. How many games do we win? How close to our vest do we play it? Um, how loosey-goosey do we play with an interpretation or not of, um, you know, NCAA rule 9Y7643795. Uh, you can or cannot put cream cheese on a bagel. There you go. That's a good analogy. Yeah. So the, the one at the end of the spectrum, um, somebody in the compliance office says, hey, we better self-report that. Self-report what? Self-report that we had a recruiter over the weekend, and only not only did we feed him a bagel, we put cream cheese on the bagel. And to the other end says, don't tell him about the bagel or the cream cheese or the Corvette, you know, or the bag of money. <laughs> Kid can play. Um, damn it. <laughs> you know, and somewhere in the middle there is um is kind of the 50-yard line. And I've argued that until the University of South Carolina admits that it's on the wrong side of the 50 and it's – um. It's, 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 it's conference of malcontents is on the other side of the 50. You're going to have this happen. So from what I'm gathering, my sources, mm -hmm. the University of South Carolina administration refused, refused to admit or offer admittance to Trajan Jeffcoat, who played college on his high school football in, um, in Columbia. He went off to Missouri, became an all-conference rush in. 
um, pretty good career. I mean, had a really good career, a first team All SEC in uh, 2020. Wanted to come back home. I think he has a kid in Columbia, if I'm not mistaken. And um, the university couldn't figure out a way to admit him. Well, I told you last week he'll end up at LSU. Well, LSU had an offer on the table, but last night Arkansas apparently made a better offer. So you've got contents and you've got malcontents. And and I'm telling you guys, when you are competing um, in the uh, in the rare air of uh, football supremacy, and you know I, I'll say this on the record, I think Clemson's on the right side of the fifty. I think Clemson plays it not loosey goosey. I didn't say that. But I think they play it a lot more like Georgia does and Alabama does and Tennessee does and Florida does. And South Carolina, I think, still plays it a little more like Duke and Wake Forest. And I mean, when I saw that news last night on Twitter, I guess is where you learn everything these days, I thought the same thing. And it was disappointing, and it kind of showed me the frame of mind for the team that I follow. And it's like, all right, well, do we want to win or do we not want but, to and win? I, and I've said this for about a decade. Until the Gamecocks, and, and once again, I think the linear graph is a good explanation. And, I, and I don't want South yeah. Carolina out on the edge. I mean, I don't want them breaking every no, rule. I don't want not. SMU and Pony Express and, you know, um, the, the death penalty for college. I don't have any interest in that. I don't want to be known as a cheating program. Nope. But, but I don't want to be hamstrung. I, I don't want to be to the point of a Trajan Jeffcoat can get in a school that you got to line up and play next year. That's right. I mean, does the University of South Carolina I mean, profess to have more integrity than Arkansas? I mean, I don't know the details well, of I mean, the situation. Probably never will. I mean, I can tell you the details. I mean, here's the way it goes. The administration, excuse me, the athletics department, the football team in this case, will ask for permission to admit. And they'll go through his file. And is he academically eligible? Does he have any other sorts of issues? We understand that he had a Title IX issue. I mean, that leads me to believe that there's some female-related situation out there. But Arkansas got comfortable with it. LSU right. got very comfortable with it. And, um, I mean, is the University of South Carolina saying, we're the, we're, we're the team of integrity? Well, I can tell you this. If you reside on the same side of the 50 as Vanderbilt and nobody else, you'll continue to, you know, you'll have a spell of doing well, but you won't ever change the culture of the program to make winning its priority. Arkansas looked at it in its totality and said, hey, this guy got skin up a little bit at um, in Missouri. We don't really know every gory detail, but we think we have a good summation of what happened, and we're comfortable allowing him to be a member of the Razorback football team. The, the LSU um, Tigers did the same thing, and the Gamecocks just couldn't quite get there. And, um, and once again, until the USC brass – until the USC brass decides that they're going to be a little more aggressive in pursuing some of these questionable, and that's what it is. It's a questionable, um, you know, prospect. Then they'll continue to be on the same side of the 50 that Vanderbilt is. And I guess they'll run around, you know, the SEC saying we have more integrity and we have more, um, that there's more honesty in our program. I, I just think, I, I've heard this, Reb, that Kirby Smart when offered the job at Georgia, basically said, I mean, he didn't use the uh, the analogy linear graph, but he said, you know, you guys didn't let Mark Rick get everybody in school that, that you know, Georgia, excuse me, Alabama, Auburn, Tennessee, Florida were getting in, and I can't win if you don't do that. I mean, I, I may be a good coach. I may hire good assistants. I may work them, but, but I can't, unless you get me to the place that they are, I can't win big. And from what I gather, the Georgia uh, brass – said, okay, Kirby, we'll stop the way we were doing it. Now, now Rick was a little bit guarded anyway. And, um, you know, Kirby wants to win. I mean, I don't say Rick didn't want to win, but I don't think Rick wanted to win with the, um, 
with the potential tarnishment that comes along with playing a little bit over here on this side of the 50B. When I saw the story, I'm like, wow, okay. Um, all my suspicions were exactly as I perceived them to be. Now, that was on the heels of a pretty good announcement for Gamecock recruiting the, the Pringle kid, right, yeah. from Woodruff? Number one offensive tackle in America in 2024 committed to South Carolina. They, they kind of felt that was coming their way, but they felt that um, nah, he'd related well to the program. And, uh, yeah, he's 6'7", 338. <laughs> I mean, he's, uh, he's a zip code in himself, but he, uh, he did commit to South Carolina over Clemson, Georgia, I might have been out one of the other SEC schools, but uh, yeah, big commitment. The highest rated player, if you believe the star ratings and the um, the consensus ratings, the highest rated player South Carolina has signed under um, Shane Beamer. Uh, that may change in the next month. This, uh, this uh, kid from Maryland, Nick Harbor, is a top 10 in the country player. Um, kind of a Randy Moss sort of receiver, 6'5 or 6. Um, Still feel good about him for uh, South Carolina? For some stupid reason, I do. Okay. For some stupid reason, I do feel, um, I, from what I'm gathering, it's between South Carolina and Oregon, and in the era of NIL, Phil Knight's got a lot of money at um, at Oregon and Nike, so when he makes his official visit, if he already, if he hasn't already made his official visit, but he's one of these kids, 6'6", 220-ish, 225-ish, and has run the fastest 100 meters, um, I think in all of high school athletics over the past year, he would have been the fifth fastest college sprinter. I mean, he's one. I mean, once again, Randy Moss is who a lot of people have compared compared him to, and I think it's between um, South Carolina and Oregon. Now, Maryland, I think, still in the picture, and you kind of got the recruiting against yourself when you go to um, who founded Under Armour, Kevin Plank. Kevin McClank is the biggest um, contributor to the Maryland athletics department and the Gamecocks are a Under Armour school. So if you're an Under Armour school and you're competing with the founder of Under Armour, you probably had a competitive um, disadvantage there. But, yeah, I mean, a good day for um, the Gamecocks and picking up Cam Pringle, big offensive lineman. They certainly um, need to improve. But 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 I still can't get the other out of my head. As a Gamecock fan, uh, do you want to win or don't you? I mean, do you want to win, but are you willing to do what it takes? Are you willing to get a little bit uncomfortable in some of the decisions you have to make to be competitive with a, you know, well, in this case, an Arkansas or LSU, 843-661-0937. Um, that's kind of me. I just thought about that. So four teams in the NFL, this is the four best football teams. And we won't have football Saturday. Wow. First time in a long time we've not had any football mm, true. on Saturday, uh, but we'll have a doubleheader on Sunday to find out who plays in the uh, in the Super Bowl. Do, do one of them. Um, I mean, I guess the story that everybody's paying close attention to in the world of politics and this job's getting hard on monday guys i'm not whining not complaining uh because i make a buttload of money to do this but <laughs> but but this monday morning gig's getting hard and i'm telling you why nobody's working on the weekends including you it, well i mean it, you got my job is to read new material right and there is no new material out unless something crazy happens like antifa takes on atlanta you know, and then you've got a storyline, but that's not really political. And the Sunday shows are just I mean, they're, not they're, what they used to be. They're, they're a shadow of their former selves. They're not helpful at all in doing what it is we do. They played an excerpt from Tim Russert yesterday interviewing someone. I can't think of who it was. Um, it, I'll tell you who it was. It was Bill Clinton's. I know it wasn't. It was. Anyway, it was a lawyer of days gone by, and it was so riveting. I mean, it was almost like Russert. Didn't matter if you were a Democrat or Republican. I mean, you're on Meet the Press, and you're going to answer these questions. You're going to Meet the Press. And, and the most testy way imaginable. 
But but instead, Russell is so great. But but instead, now you got Chuck Todd saying, you know, um, it was consensual. You know, they, the the search, not the sex, but the search was <laughs> consensual, and um, and it went on and on and on, and you know, they're, they're um, it was inadvertent. You know, Chuck mm-hmm. Todd. I mean, you know, the the inadvertent misplacement of classified documentation, guys. I know that we had somewhat of a debate toward the end of a couple of weeks ago. When, when, you know, nothing burger box, something burger box, and a lot of you felt this was a nothing burger box, it's not. I mean, it, there's no way. you got to accept that this is a big, big problem for uh, for current President Biden. Um, one of the interesting lines in this story is um, is from Saturday, you know, when there, were a new, there was a new revelation made Saturday. Um, I read it in the New York Times, actually highlighted the article. Um, DOJ took possession of materials it deemed – within the scope of its inquiry, including six items. Now, now the media is saying six documents. That's not what the DOJ said. Six items consisting of documents with classification markings and surrounding materials, some of which uh, were from the president's service in the Senate and some of which were his tenure as vice president. But that word item means something to me. I don't know why. I mean, I, I don't have any idea. It may be six documents. But they don't say six documents. They say six items consisting of documents. And I think we're about to find out how Joe Biden got unbelievably wealthy, you know, being a U.S. senator. Mm. I mean, some of this material goes back to 1973. No, let me back up. Some of this material goes back to his time in the Senate, which would have been from, um, what, 73 to 2009. Him and Obama get sworn in, 2009. So, um... I mean, the, you know, the markings. So, so how long has classified material been kept at a private residence of a, uh, a sitting senator who has no de- declassification, uh, obli- excuse me, no, um, no right to declassify? Plus, the, the, the Senate is required to only review classified material from what I'm gathering in the Department of Archives. I mean, there's certain sanctuaries, so to speak, that are set aside that are there for members of the Senate who have, you know, t- clearance. And I'm talking about classified material clearance that they're able to read the material there to discern. I mean, they can carry their, their their chief of staff in. I think they can carry some of their staff lawyers, some of the Senate lawyers in to review the material, but they can't remove any of the material. Well, apparently Joe Biden has had classified material in his possession at his private residence for God knows how long. I mean, we don't have any idea. They just said some of the material goes back to the days Biden was a United States senator, and that would have been sworn in in January of 1973, left office in January of 2009. Are we getting there yet? Remember, Biden says, you know, there's there's no there there. Hmm. Well, I mean, if there's no there there, then let's let's have a, a proper disclosing of what it is. And I think the bungled, I mean, they, they bungled and bumbled and just made a mess of what has headed their way. And you got the, um, I mean, the black lesbian just is so, has no comprehension of how to handle this situation. And it's a little bit abusive for them to send someone so ill-equipped out every day to meet a, a press that is finally doing their job in some regard to, 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 you know, find out exactly, hey, when is the president going to come clean? I mean, when will he address the public? Uh, when, he, when will he take questions? And I think that's what we, I mean, we deserve that as the American people. The president of the United States needs to come out and explain how he got in this situation, how he is in possession of classified material 
that goes from 1973 or potentially 1973 up until 2023. And he keeps saying, you know, we're cooperating. Um, th- th- this is um, this was uh, a consensual certain. No, Andy McCarthy of the National Review. I'll try to read some of it verbatim. But McCarthy's no friend to the American First Movement. In fact, I would probably suggest McCarthy voted for Biden over Trump. I mean, I don't think he wanted to, but he's such a kind of a never Trumper. But he really goes after Biden in a um, in an essay he put together Friday, uh, excuse me, Saturday. One of the rare pieces written over the weekend addressing this um this latest. I mean, it's almost like I go to the gym, I finish with my workout, I go on Twitter, and there's another finding in this um in this Biden mishandling classified. I think Biden documents. said he has no regrets when he was asked. Well, the but question. he says that, yeah. But, but, I mean, 11 days ago, the black lesbians said, you know, they're through with the investigation. Right. And here we are still finding classified material at a home, at a think tank, at, a, at a, you know, where, where, where aren't there? That probably be the better question. President Biden, where is there not classified material that you've just kind of, um, I don't know, is it, is it, and then we don't have any idea what's in the classified material. I mean, is it content for some of the books he wrote or somebody ghost wrote the books? Is it, is it trade secrets that, you know, he gave to his son for his son to, uh, you know, pawn off to foreign governments. I mean, these are serious, serious questions. And guys, this isn't a, a nothing burger anymore. I'm sorry. I mean, th- this is very much a something burger. And I got to believe Jim Jordan is um is chomping at the bit to get underway with a full-fledged investigation of a sitting president. Take a break. Back in a minute. You know, it's pretty clear to me now that Trump and Biden broke federal law. I mean, I don't think there's any questioning that. I mean, Trump broke federal law by having classified classified material in his possession at Mar-a-Lago. I mean, he broke federal law. What was the intent? I don't have any idea. He said they were keepsakes, thing he just wanted. He might sell them online one day, might put them in a hotel one day, or <laughs> well, a golf course. The letter one, from, yeah. from the North Korean leader. Just in case you ever forget that I was president, let me fondly remind <laughs> you that, that indeed I was, for sure. Um, I think intent is so interesting here. When Trump takes the classified material to Mar-a-Lago, what is his intent? I mean, he says, once again, keepsakes and things that meant a lot to him, um, personal. I mean, it, it's hard to convince Trump those aren't personal belongings, but but a handwritten note from a dictator of a foreign land belongs to the government. You know, when you're as, as president of the United States, um, I mean, I you know I don't know what the regular what the regulations are uh, about what can go in a presidential library or not. In other words, are, are there are there is there a different set of rules for information that belongs to the government, or let's say um, documentation that belongs to the government, that can go to a presidential library, but can't go to your house. I mean, it can't go to your personal residence. Um, and once again, I don't have any idea what Trump's intent is. But but it seems to me that Biden's intent, um, I mean, if it goes back that far, and I'll read something Andy McCarthy wrote here in just a second. McCarthy's no sensationalist. I mean, he's not a guy trying to get hits. He's not trying to be the most popular person on Twitter. McCarthy is a former prosecutor who's taken very seriously in that realm, and he's never liked the fact that Trump got elected president because he don't think he didn't think Trump respects law and order as much as McCarthy thinks law and order deserves to be respected. But McCarthy blisters Biden in a PC wrote over the weekend. Let's go to the phone. Someone's there. Jason and Sumter listening to WDXY. Good morning, Jason. 
Hey, first time caller, a little bit of a listener. Um, y'all are wondering why they uh, they're coming out with all this now. I think it's because um, Biden's not the useful idiot anymore. The Democrat Party is about done with him. They do this all the time when they get somebody they don't they don't want to have around anymore. All the scandals pop up. Thank you, sir. Who they got better than Biden? I ain't no idea, but they want to get someone. See, that I, I don't <laughs> yeah. disagree. Thank you for the call. Appreciate it. Yeah. I don't disagree with the concept that you're proposing, but, but who out there is better than Biden? I mean, as flawed as Biden is, he's won the presidency. I mean, we can debate how he won it and, you know, COVID and all these other, um, the, you know, the way they counted votes in certain places and election season and not election day. I hear that. I understand that. I'm sympathetic to that. But. But is there another Democrat, not named Joe Biden, that can win the presidency in 2024? I, I think they believe that their bench includes Buttigieg and Newsom. Okay. Closest to the top. Not I, Michelle Obama? I, well, yeah. Hmm? Yeah. I, I mean, mean that's, it, that's it, always it. been a name that's been out there. Is I, there a candidate or two or three that we've not heard of yet? Could be. I mean, I, I don't know. Um, it, uh, the, the, the two best tweets of the weekend, one was yesterday when Greg Abbott said, Greg Abbott's wheelchair bound, and, um, and the, the Dallas Cowboy kicker had missed his fifth of sixth extra point, and he said, I could kick extra points better than this guy. <laughs> but, but the best tweet was someone, when Ron Klain announced he was leaving his position as chief of staff for President Joe Biden, someone said this is the first president to leave office in the middle of his term since Nixon. Talking Ooh, about Ron Klain yeah. leaving, yeah, leaving, uh, leaving the uh, <laughs> wow. the the chief of staff position. I want to read this real quick, and then we'll go. Ouch. We'll go to the phone. Um, this is Andy McCarthy's words, not mine. Once again, guys, McCarthy's no sensationalist. I mean, he's a he's a kind of a mild mannered, level headed, um, and lawyer, prosecutor turned journalist, political pundit. Um, I'll start here to try to stave off this chain of political disasters, Biden has decided to pose as a dedicated public servant who cooperates unfailingly with law enforcement because he has nothing to hide. Don't fall for it. Team Biden has been playing games for two months, and clearly the president not only has things to hide, wow, he has been hiding some of them for over 15 years. A portion of the classified document seized Friday traced to Biden's time in the Senate. It's a big deal, guys. 1973 to 2009, even those senators are only permitted to review classified documents in secure facilities at the Capitol or at intelligence agencies, not take them home ever. A guy who has nothing to hide does not retain high-priced lawyers to pack up his private office as Biden did uh, with his Washington think tank digs, where his first batch or the first batch of highly classified documents was found on November 2nd. Having lawyers pack up is the kind of thing you do when you're a Democrat president who raked in millions of dollars from operatives of foreign governments and Republicans are about to take control of the House and use its subpoena power to investigate. Wow. I mean, that's about as aggressive as I've ever heard Andy McCarthy write. I mean, if that were in Breitbart or Town Hall or the Federalists, uh, okay, I get it. I mean, that's what they do. If that were in Salon or Vox or Huffington Post on the other side, okay, I get it. Um, you know, water that, that discount that by twenty five or thirty percent. But, but what McCarthy writes is normally on solid and sound legal footing. I mean, he frustrates some of the Trumpsters 
because he's never been very sympathetic to the America First movement. He's kind of an anti-populist, to be honest. Uh, McCarthy has written things to suggest to me, or that suggests to me, that he finds populism and pragmatism incompatible. Uh, but they've got to be mutually exclusive, and he thinks government works better when there's a high degree of pragmatism involved. So he's always been kind of an anti-populist Republican, but he goes after Biden in this entire article, or she's, this entire you know piece that he wrote, and, and probably as aggressive as I've ever seen him go after Trump. And but he went after Trump a lot about not respecting law and order, uh, you know, the, the the parliamentary process of which things are done in Washington. I don't care how you got elected or who you think you are, that there's a, a way we conduct business in the name of our federal government, and you don't have the right to insult that as much as you have decided to. And that was always, or appeared to be, McCarthy's beef with um with Trump. But it looks to me like that he's insinuating sure Biden has things to hide. And now the um and now the, the the House subcommittee, excuse me, the House committees will be in Republicans' hands and they'll probably use subpoena powers to gain information and knowledge and and compel witnesses and it could get nasty. I mean, this could get real ugly real quick. Let's go to the phone. Here's Breeze. Good morning. You remember when J. Edgar Hoover had these files on almost every politician? This stuff's been going on a while. And that guy before, he was right. If the Democrats wanted Biden in, they would have figured out a way to keep him in. There was a, they, they could have covered this whole thing up. It may have gotten exposed, but again, nothing would have happened. And it's a, kind of a shame that they don't have anybody better than Biden. But the reality is, kids, if they could just find somebody that could read a teleprompter, he'd be better than Biden. Biden can't even read a teleprompter, you know, so... Yeah, he's his body's gone out to the floor where he, when they know they need to slip in another raid dead robot. But you know, I've always all these conspiracy theories. You know, and I was looking at Tucker the other day, and I always thought something was weird. But now it appears, if you are a Democrat, I'm not talking about a politician, but if you're a Democrat voter, it appears that your God, the government, along with the people that practice your religion politics killed your Democrat president, John F. Kennedy. It is now becoming more and more evident that the CIA was involved in that. Okay? So they'll kill a president, and they got rid of Daggle Nixon in much the same way. I bet you if you really dug deep into that Watergate thing, that was Nixon a goofball? Yeah. But if you dug deep into this whole thing, I bet you there's more to Watergate than we'll ever know. And it probably had a lot to do with getting rid of Nixon. I mean, you know, so I mean, I just got to the point now I don't believe any of them. And then, um, I just think that right now we're being ruled by non-elected officials. And, and I don't see why Democrat and Republican voters or just the citizens of this country can't be getting angry as hell about it. I mean, aren't there Democrats with children that are dying of heart attacks because of the jab, and they refuse to admit that? And then right here in Florida, South Carolina, I go to a hospital, and there are these two ladies up front. I know it's not them, but it's got to be somebody that's telling me I need to wear a mask. That was Friday. Telling me I need to wear a mask. I mean, and of course I didn't, but they were telling me I had to. You know, if it's not a law, it's just a hospital. And I wondered how many of these doctors who did a great job and the nurses did a great job, are they still being forced to wear a mask? And if so, by whom? 
this is Florida, South Carolina. This ain't New York City or Los Angeles. Florida, South Carolina, in a Republican state, and you got a hospital telling people at the door they still need to wear a mask. Is there anybody in medicine right now that really thinks that the mask is helping? And by the way, if everybody's been vaccinated and boosted, why would you still need a mask? Thank you, Breeze. Appreciate it. But think about this, guys. I mean, this, this saying's old, but but it's so true. It's 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 easy to trick somebody. It's hard to convince them they've been tricked, especially when you're educated and you're affluent. I mean, if you're a member of the medical care community, let's say you're a doctor, and and you believed at the beginning or the onset, you believed in your government, you believed in Pfizer, you believed in, in, in CDC, you believed in the World Health Organization. Why? Because it's really in your best interest to believe in all those organizations who have some degree of oversight over your um, field of expertise, over your employment, over your livelihood. Um, so, so, yeah, I mean, I get it. Um, everybody, that there was a narrative, there was a preconceived narrative that was not to be disputed because look who's driving the train. It's the government. It's the government agencies. It's big pharma. It's the healthcare sector. I mean, who wants to get out of kilter? I mean, it doesn't matter if I do. I mean, you know, the, the government, health care, I mean, I, I can say what I want to say, but if you're a physician, imagine, I don't want to say it's the loyalty factor, but, but to some degree, am I going to be the doctor that steps out and says, guys, I have a lot of questions. I mean, th- there were thankfully a few doctors courageous enough to step out and say, wow, I mean, I got some questions about this, um, but, but it really feeds into this conspiracy theory narrative. Tucker <laughs> Tucker kind of just um, went out there the other uh, uh, last did. week one day when he said that he believes Nixon was ordered to leave office or forced out of office because he was about to break the goods or break the story on, you know, the government killed JFK. And, and I mean, a lot of us would have said stop with that nonsense until now. And I think more and more and more people are beginning to consider, is that a reasonable alternative? Could that have really happened? Of course it could. Absolutely, it could have. And I do think, and I still go back to what I said last week, door number one, Hunter and Joe, door number two, Twitter and the FBI, door number three, COVID and the government and big pharma. That's still the most interesting story to me, because as I said last week, if the government will require you to inject in your body experimental medication or you lose your job or you lose your military commission or you lose your livelihood, what won't? they mislead you about take a break back in a minute 843-661-0937 our number takes mondays to make fridays let's go to the phone someone's there dw in florence good morning hey guys what's up hey dw how are you good man question for you i was just listening to the news just before you guys came back on we need to make a montage of uh the two geniuses that are in a high office now uh, president biden and president vice president Harris about what you can do with the human body and what you can't tell them to do, what you were just talking about, say about wearing masks or getting a shot or whatever else. We can take a montage. Every time they say that, we throw that up there and say, well, you can't tell me what to do with my body. You can't tell me what to do with my body. I hear that all the time, except when it goes against what they say. And then you can do anything you want to your body. They can do anything they want to your body because they don't care. It's just a word. So why don't we uh, make up a montage, like a little gif, and you know, bust that them every once in a while when they're saying something stupid like that and say, oh, you can't use my, you can't tell me what I can do with my body, but yeah, you can. So 
you know, it, just, it kind of gets old, and I understand what Larry was saying a while ago. You know, it's hard to trust anybody more because they just go wherever the money goes. And, you know, it, it makes it pretty hard to find what truth is, like we talk about all the time. There ain't no truth out there anymore. It's whatever they want to do and whatever, whatever they get money for. So, guys, have a great day. Go Tigers, and we'll see you later. Thank you, DW. Appreciate <laughs> that. You know, one of the interesting parts, and I Larry's call, Breeze's call, Tucker's monologue, um, some of the um, some of the speculation I provide. It really does go back to government having or not the moral authority to govern the masses. I was thinking about this. I read an article over the weekend ah, from a couple of weeks back, um, peak globalism. And it was talking about all these wonderful things that the American working class were told about globalism. And they bought in because historically, a majority, of, or at least a large plurality of Americans, maybe not a majority, but a big enough plurality of Americans have trusted the government to do what they say they're going to do. So when you close the manufacturing plant down in Ohio and you say, yeah, but there'll be service jobs, you won't have to, you know, sweat of the brow work as, 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 a, as a thing that um, people in emerging countries have to do. We don't have to do that any longer. We're, We're the big, bad US harder. of A. Yeah, we don't have to. There you go. Uh, you're talking about goddess counselor poster now. <laughs> um, but, but every little nugget of this, every little element that contributes to this distrust the American people are having with their government. Um, I mean, it's a good era to be in talk radio. It really is because I'm not having to, ah, we're, we're mutually getting to the same place. I'm not having to drag you kicking and screaming. The, the one thing that I've said over the airways, that could be perceived as very controversial is, I mean, I, a couple of years back, Rev and I were talking and I may have said it over the air. I was like, wow, dude, uh, really? <laughs> um, when I said that, that if, 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 if you don't get, but one thing from listening to this show, I hope it equips you to be more skeptical of your government than you were if you didn't listen. And I remember the first time I said that because Rev was like, dude, let's be, I don't know, man. I mean, that's, <laughs> really? you know, that's, yeah, that's, um, that gets us in, but well, I, mean, I think it's, it's kind of normalized oh, now. Yeah. I mean, there are more and more and more and more people, um, kind of falling in line with that thought of government just has lost the trust of the American people. It's not to be trusted. I didn't want to believe it. Well, let me th th think of the health care. Th think of the health care sector. And I, I'm going to be real careful here because I think there are many, many, many honorable doctors out there. But, but the health care sector was put in a position of, of saying things they knew weren't true. I mean, there was not enough information on the vaccine and the mask and the social distancing. I mean, Fauci was real sure of himself. We found out now that he was wrong on a lot of fronts. But, I mean, if you're in that healthcare economy and you've got Ken and Dave on the radio every morning strongly suggesting certain ideas or premises or thoughts, and you've got the government writing check after check after check after check, who are you going to fall in line with? I mean, once again, money's the answer. Now, what's the question? And and I think in every instance, I mean, whether whether it's um whether it's Kennedy's assassination, I mean, imagine the most highly rated, the most watched political pundit on all of television is now arguing in, in front of God and everybody that he believes Nixon was removed from office because he was going to come clean on the FBI and CIA killing Kennedy. I mean, there is no way somebody would have gone down that road 20 years ago. There is no way a major news organization would have allowed anybody to say anything remotely close to that. But Fox News believes there's enough appetite out there when tucker and tucker has credibility with his universe he may not with others but he does with his universe 
And and when he says formerly outlandish things, now not quite outlandish at all. Um, and, and once again, government has become kind of the largest contributor to its own demise. It's not to be trusted. I'm sorry, guys. It's just not to be trusted. And, and, and when does not if it's not to be trusted, when does it lose the moral authority? When, when does Dave Baker say, I'm not doing that. You got to wear that mask, but I'm not. You can't go to that um, that concert, but I am. You can't drive that, that, that gas-powered vehicle, but I will. I mean, when do we get to that point? That's the breaking point. I mean, that, that's when I say, you know, I don't know if I'll live long enough, but there will be a moment in American history sooner than later when it's people just refuse to um, to answer to authority. They just will because you've lost that moral authority. Um, I saw something over the weekend, the vaccinated and unvaccinated, the things the vaccinated got right. You, you went to get vaccinated because you thought it was effective and durable and, and safe and all these other sorts of things. And you didn't go for a multitude of reasons. I mean, there are a lot of reasons you didn't get vaccinated. There are a lot of reasons you did get vaccinated. If you're under the age of 50, and not immunocompromised, you probably made a bad choice going to get vaccinated. I mean, in all honesty, uh, pros and cons weighted equally against one another. If you're under the age of 50, I mean, I'd even say 55, uh, maybe even 60. If you're under the age of 60 and you're in pretty good health, you, you probably made a smarter decision by not going to get vaccinated than had you gone and gotten vaccinated. And there's a lot of research out there that shows this. Somebody got to look long and hard because the mainstream media certainly doesn't let it see the light of day. Um, so some of the um, some of the major medical trade publications certainly don't let it see the light of day because they sold their soul. And they sold their soul to government edict and order. Why? Because the government had the printing press. And the government printed about $6.3 trillion that didn't exist three years ago. I mean, imagine that, guys. There's $6.3 trillion floating around out there somewhere that didn't even exist about three and a half to four years ago. Who got the lion's share of that money? I mean, was it you? Was, was it me? I mean, okay, we got some, um, you got some so some enhancements. I mean, everybody got, about, you know, more money for whatever. I mean, the government just said, to hell with it. We'll get everybody, you know, we'll just send you some money because we like money. you. Yeah. yeah, here's some money. Um, but but we, we know who got the lion's share of that money. I mean, we know where the majority of that money ended up and then people did amazingly well during covid well if, if you kind of um to, to larry's point if you've got half a brain i mean you got to question some of the things we were told to do and and believe but but a lot of people did it anyway because the math just worked you know and um once again money's the answer now no, what's the question. the question let's go to the phone joe in hartsville hello joe yeah good morning guys you know the rule of law is everything. That's what this country's based on. And that's the thing the Democrats don't believe in. Now, even Kamala, he's talking about Kamala Harris talking this weekend. She started out on the Constitution and then realized what she was saying and left out over half of the, the little Senate. You know, we're all endowed. And then she went, oh, no, I can't say creator. With liberty and justice. And freedom, you know, but she left out life and creator because she was talking about abortion. So that's that's how they do stuff. But 
you've got to realize, Ken, you've got a larger audience than you think. Kevin McCarthy listens to your program. Because if you remember about two weeks ago, I told you what is going on with the government having to come out with these uh, documents that were found in Joe Biden's thing. Remember I told you Levin had Campo on his program on Sunday saying they were going to go to the National Archives and look at those documents that are missing and find out where they are. And then all of a sudden on Monday, they come out and say, oh, we found some documents in the Senate Biden. So it all came out then. So Kevin McCarthy must listen to your show because he's following right down, or at least my train of thought. You know, you, you, you go, like you say, go to where the money's at. But uh, I, I love listening on Fridays. Mike Rickenbaugh is such a refreshing individual, and I would hate to throw him in the fire up in Washington, but he would he would be a great state senator. Uh, this debt ceiling thing, Russell talked about it a little bit. I, I wish he would have explained a little bit more. But you've got one person that comes on, and I'm not going to even say his name, but my IQ goes down 50 points every time he comes on. And the only thing that bothers me is a couple of months ago, y'all came on and told all of us callers, make it to the point and succinct and get off. But yet he can go on for, I know you enjoy that conversation, but seven, eight, nine, ten minutes at a time. And, and you know, it's hard for us to make a point in two minutes. But I try to. But anyway, that's that's the only gripe I've got about that is, you know, you got... <laughs> You've got the, the two different standards for the different Well, calls. I'll accept that. I'll get you. guilty as charged. Yeah. I'll accept. Thank you, Joe. Appreciate the call. Yeah, you're two minutes. Now get out of the way. Hey, listen, <laughs> nah, I'm kidding. Joe, no, I'm more like joking around. No, the thing that we got a little bit bothered by, the, the show builds with forward momentum. I mean, we hope the second hour is a little better than the first hour. We hope Tuesday is a little better than Monday. We build this thing together, and every now and then a caller would – just get completely off the beaten path. And and I'm, I'm okay with that, but I think the show's better if we're building momentum together. Um, I mean, I hope I have a decent understanding of what generates conversations and what doesn't. I mean, you've, you've heard me talk about, I mean, and I've done this before. I've told Reb this. I've tried to force a debate on certain things, but it just didn't work. I mean, it just didn't work. I mean, you, you didn't want to talk about what it is I thought you'd want to talk about. Um, I mean, this is a work in progress. This is a little bit like your your faith. There is no, uh, I mean, heaven's the destination. You know, we're on a journey together. And, um, and the one thing I don't ever want to be accused of is censoring. I mean, I complain about that a lot, you know, not allowing people to express themselves. But I, I mean, I don't have a time. We don't have a stopwatch here. Um, but, but some people would call in and they would say a minute's worth of this and a minute's worth of that, a minute's worth of something else, and um, maybe we should have never said anything publicly, but I wanted you listeners to know some of the um, behind-the-scenes inner workings of how we decide, you know, what direction to take the show or not. But um, I appreciate each and everybody's or every one of your comments. Um, but when somebody calls in and, and takes a, a, you know, an alternate stance, 
I want our listeners to hear why people believe things that you don't. I mean, I think that's important. And I think um, to be gracious to those people, to be respectful of those people. Um, I mean, we, yeah, I mean, I, I've complained about certain calls at certain times. Of course I have. Um, I'm sarcastic by nature. So some of that is um, it's just kind of a um, an inescapable sarcasm that, that I just, I mean, your Rev knows this. I'm hyper sarcastic. Um, <laughs> really? Yeah. My, my wife says your tweets confuse me. I mean, they're so sarcastic. So, yeah, I, I am tremendously sarcastic. Um, but, 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 but somebody who calls into this show and articulates a view opposite of the host and does it reasonably well is interesting radio as far as I'm concerned. Exactly. And, and that's what I'm into. I'm into interesting radio. I'm not into making you feel good or me feel good or Dave feel good. I'm into interesting radio and whatever we can pull off that makes radio more interesting is what we're going to always make as a priority. Do we miss it? Of course we do. And not that I'd say we were trying to balance, you know, the content of the show, but 98% of the calls kind of think the same as far as a political lean. So when you have the rare call that has an opposite opinion, I think that deserves a little more deeper discussion and sense of, and, and Joe didn't mention the name, but I think we know who he's talking about, but those back and forth, I believe are very interesting. And it, it at least lets everybody hear another side. Well, and I wish we had a half as crazy dozen. as it is. Sometimes. I mean, I, we've got people out there that listen. I mean, I, I've got a, uh, a particular lady at the gym who doesn't agree with anything I say, listens every day. I mean, she listens every day for a couple of hours every morning. She disagrees with me 90% of the time. In fact, she came up to me, I don't know, a couple of months back and said, you're not going to believe this, but for two consecutive days, I agreed with you more than I disagree with you. <laughs> and I can't remember what topic wow. we were we were discussing or talking about, but but I'm interested in good radio. That's all I'm concerned about. Um, am I trying to convince Nikki Haley to run for president or not? No, I don't have that sort of sway, and I know I don't. Am I trying to convince Kevin McCarthy to give in to some of the 18 members? No. I mean, that, that's, not my, that's not my gig. That's not what I'm doing. What, what I want to do is be entertaining over the airwaves for a period of time that allows you to be interested in whatever topic of conversation we're having today. So this is, I mean, I've, I've never, I hope I haven't uh, mistreated or been rude to anybody. I mean, there, there are certain times people say things and I'm going like, wow, okay, we got to stop this because it can get personal. You know, well, we just ask that you don't get personal. And um, and I don't, I mean, very seldom does anybody do that. I mean, local issues at times hit home because you've got a, you know, a city or county council making a decision. And, and we know personally, you know, the city or county council member, we consider them to be friends of the show. But politics is rough and tumble. And I mean, when you say I do, you accept that rough and tumbly responsibility. 843-661-0937 is our number. Let's go to the phone. Aaron in MacBee. Good morning. Good morning. Good morning. My thought is, is, uh, is it, you know, this deal going on with Biden and his, uh, all these classified documents, they find him guilty of that. Then they find Trump guilty of that. They Democrats hate Trump so bad that they're willing to sacrifice the president to get to Trump. That's just my thoughts. Thank you. Appreciate that. I mean, there's a lot of competing theories out there, and I don't, I don't have the answer to all of these. Um, and, 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 you know, we had a debate a couple of weeks ago about, is this a big nothing burger? 
I think majority of Americans now say, no, this is not a nothing burger. If Joe Biden were found to have one classified document at the Penn Biden Center for Global Outreach and Selling Influence to China, I mean, it'd probably be a one-off. But all of a sudden, we find another document and another document and another document and six more items. It didn't say documents. It said six more items found over the weekend. And we know the issue with Hunter Biden. And we know some of the um, accusations made about whether Joe Biden was the big guy. But there's a lot of there there, despite what Joe Biden says. And I think if we have an honest investigation, if the government is truly interested in finding out exactly what the Bidens are up to, we'll find them to be crooks. We'll find them to be political prostitutes. Joe Biden has never held a job outside of government. Joe Biden has lived a, a very dignified life financially. I mean, I don't know how much money he has put up. I mean, he bought a home the DuPont's owned. He sold it. He bought a $2 million home. Uh, in 1996, he bought a half million dollar home on, on a senator's salary. I mean, how does all that work? His son's got all sorts of issues, but he sits on prominent boards around the world. He's, he's negotiating a deal with Chinese energy companies. He's got a brother that basically says, you know, I'm of value to you because my brother's a prominent politician. I mean, th these are public pronouncements. We know these to be true. Now, where the fact trail goes from there, I don't know. I mean, I'm speculating when I say that Joe Biden is the big guy, but it damn sure looks like he is. And he's got a, what, a 7,000 square foot home in Delaware on, on the salary of a, of a senator? I, I, you you got to question some of those. I mean, it's a, and they're, they're truths. These aren't, these aren't speculations. I mean, we've seen, you know, the drone photo of his home. Does it look like the home of a guy making a buck 80 a year? Living in our nation's capital? Of course it doesn't. What, what, aren't you curious? I mean, if, if, if $50 million in Chinese anonymous donations show up at the University of Pennsylvania, and the next thing you know, we've got a Penn Biden Research Center on global engagement. I mean, aren't you a bit curious as to why Chinese businesses gave $50 million to the University of Pennsylvania to partially fund the Biden Center? I mean, shouldn't we have questions about that? And now we find out that the guy we have questions about has not been forthright with handling classified material. Sure, any decent patriotic American would be concerned about that. Take a break. Back in a minute. 843-661-0937. I've confessed that the hardest shows to do are Monday because I'm checked out. I'm watching NFL football. Um, I mean, college is over now, so I'm still kind of um, I'm prioritizing in a different way than I do during the week, but I did see the news break over the weekend that there were more classified documents found in a pretty nice and swanky home that President Biden owns in Delaware. Fox News Radio's Ryan Schmills is in our nation's capital. Ryan, good morning. How are you? Uh, good morning, Mr. Lieutenant Governor. How are you doing? We are doing well, sir. Mr. Lieutenant Governor, who did some issues with campaign finance but has never mishandled classified documents, <laughs> mind you. Um, let's talk a little bit about the latest revelation, Ryan, if you don't mind. Um, I mean, sooner or later, you, you, you really begin to question whether we're getting the whole story. And, 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 the, and the, uh, the White House press team doesn't seem to be as adept that we hope they would. Is that a fair analysis? 
Well, well, we're certainly not getting a lot of the answers that we're asking. Uh, I can definitely say that. And I think there's going to be even more questions after this latest batch of documents were found because, you know, you have Karine Jean-Pierre assuring reporters back in mid-January uh, that the search for new documents was over, that, they, that, that the attorneys for Biden had completed their initial search of the different properties that he has and that they, they don't believe that there's any more classified documents. Then you have the DOJ uh, having a search on Friday where they're there for about 12 hours and they uncover more documents there. And these documents now date back to his time, uh, President Biden's time when he was in the Senate. So that kind of creates a whole new loophole of how, uh, you know, how long far back do these documents go? Because, you know, the president spent a significant amount of time in the Senate, you know, eight years as vice president. But his time in the Senate really was was an extensive time. So we don't really know how long these documents documents date back to now so you know these more and more questions keep popping up as this keeps going on ron do you expect the white house to continue to deflect a lot of conservatives think that um there's been a different treatment of former president trump current president biden but it does seem to me in recent weeks the 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 white house press corps regardless if it's a democrat or republican regardless if it's if it's trump or biden they want answers and they're not getting those answers Right. Yeah. I mean, the press corps has been pretty adamant about asking these questions. And, and there's just a lot of uh, questions that are not getting answered uh, by the White House press team. You know, uh, and now you're starting to see Senate Democrats start to bring this up and start to raise questions. You have Joe Manchin over the weekend kind of questioning how the Biden, the Biden administration has handled uh, uh, the situation and, and, and raised concerns about the mishandling of classified documents. And he kind of said the words irresponsible and disturbing. Uh, to describe it. Then you also have Tim Kaine, who was on the Democratic ticket for president not too long ago, raising questions, too, and kind of saying that they want the special prosecutor to be able to investigate this uh, and see what happens here. So you're starting to see Democrats really start to to speak out on this and raise their concerns. And it's going to be interesting this week to see how um, how some of the leadership speaks out when 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 they, they start getting asked these questions, too. Last question. We would expect the DOJ investigation to be um, nonpartisan, a, a special, the appointment of a special counsel. We, we hope the special counsel can remain nonpartisan. Jim Jordan's a partisan. He's chairing the Senate Judiciary. Uh, uh, Representative Comer is a partisan. I mean, they, they're Republicans. Um, when will they begin exploring the facts? I mean, when will we have knowledge of what is happening on the two investigative committees now that Republicans are in charge of the House? Right. It looks like Comer and Jordan have already started their their initial investigations, already kind of put the groundwork down for that. And they've, they've started kind of asking the, the White House from what it looks like uh, for different answers to the questions that they're asking, too. Now, keep in mind, too, this when it comes to the special counsel, you have John Walsh and um, also Robert Hur, who were both Trump appointed uh, U.S. attorneys. So keep that in mind that that might kind of, you know, put a damper in anyone who wants to call this a partisan investigation. You know, these are two lawyers who were appointed by former President Trump and confirmed by by the United States Congress. But, you know, I, I, it's going to be interesting to see where the Republican investigations go. Uh, and it's also going to be interesting to see where the special counsel's investigations go, you know. And I think one thing to kind of note here and something to pay attention to and follow in the weeks ahead is how many Democrats are going to be in on this investigation on the on the congressional side And could this be a bipartisan investigation rather than just a partisan one? Thank you, Ryan. Appreciate your time. Very well explained. Absolutely. Thank you. That's kind of an interesting perspective about the Democrats. I mean, Mm -hmm. if if, if truly the Democrats were through with Biden, then who gets on the committee? 
Um, in other words, historically, the Republicans have the majority. They'll chair the committee. Um, they'll appoint their members. The Democrat uh, minority leader, which is uh, King Jeffries, will have discretion on who he wants to place on the committees or not. And, and that'll be very interesting. Um, there, there's kind of a um, there's a mindset amongst political punditry world right now that they're through with Biden that they've got all the good out of Biden, that Biden beat Trump in 2020, and that was a big ask, you know, but they, they kind of shepherd him across across the finish line with 81 million votes, mind you. Um, most ever. Yeah, most ever. Most ever by a mile. Mm. Um, but anyway, so it, it'll be interesting to watch the Democrats, whether they aggressively seek answers or they defer to the Republicans. you got to believe uh, any committee led by Jim Jordan is going to aggressively I mean, Jordan has the reputation somewhat of a, a bulldog as a cross-examiner. So you got to believe that will be the mindset of Republicans on the Judiciary Committee. Comer and the oversight don't know as much about Representative Comer. But, but I think it'll be very telling who the Democrat appointees are and how deflecting or non-aggressive they are. And uh, do they sit back? Here's what I'm asking. They're not going to do the prosecuting for Jordan. But do they sit back and allow Jordan to dominate you see where I'm headed? And if that's the case, guys, then then you'll realize that's about we've got we've gotten about as much out of Joe Biden as we possibly ever could have. Let's go to the phone. Don in Florence. Good morning. Good morning, Ken. You know, Ken, I listen to all the news and everything about this document situation and everybody agrees that everybody does mishandle these documents going back to how far you want to go. But what I never here is the question what are they going to do with the national archives on how to reform on the handling of documents when administration changes i'll hang up and let you answer thank you appreciate that i don't have any idea um now now the only reason we're finding out this uh, go back to the timeline um the first batch was that the first batch of illegal documents was found november 2nd just before Uh, the midterms, Um, but it took two and a half months before the FBI conducted Friday's search of the Biden residence. Um, So contrary to Biden's claim of self-reporting, they didn't report what what you would argue and what I would argue is evidence of a serious, it's a felony. I mean, if you're found to have mishandled classified documents, it's a felony. I mean, people have gotten in real bad trouble mishandling classified um, documentation, but but rather than the Biden lawyers, and here's where the disconnect is. The Biden lawyers reported that they had mishandled classified information to the Biden White House. They didn't go to DOJ. They didn't go to the National Archives. What is it, NARA, National Archive and, uh, help me, Re- Records Administration. I think that's what it is, NARA uh, or NARA. Um, but but it, it seems to me, and Andy McCarthy kind of says this, that the, the Biden administration appeared to be hoping that, that NARA, the National Archives and Records Administration, would just return the documents to the files and, you know, everybody moves on. I mean, it seems to me, and McCarthy kind of argues that point to some degree, but, but once that discovery was made that Joe Biden had classified material at his private residence and the Chinese-funded Penn Biden Center, um, the the National Archives and Records Administration's Inspector General, and he's kind of the watchdog. He'd be the traffic cop 
at um at the National Archives. Um, I mean, it, it was it was that office that on November the fourth notified the Justice Department. So the Biden administration never notified the Justice Department. The Biden administration, the the, the Biden private lawyers, his personal lawyers, and and what 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 initiated that? That's interesting to me. I mean, at what point in time did somebody? I mean, it looked like the Republicans were going to get were going to get control of the House. Now, you can't help but speculate and say that Joe Biden, because he's the. I mean, when when you say Biden's in cognitive decline, you, you wonder how much cognitive decline he, does he still have his bearings enough to say, guys, there may be some things at the House that we don't need there. I mean, those sorts of conversations happen, guys, in American politics. There may be some things at the, at the, at the Delaware home that shouldn't be there. Let's clean this up before Jordan and Comer get in charge. Because Jordan and Comer are going to talk to Vinnie Barbarino. They've already told us that. And Vinnie Barbarino may know some things. Next thing you know, Hunter Biden is being, you know, testifying. If you compel him, he'd probably plead the fifth. And he has a right to. But... But I just think that um, somebody in the Biden orbit knew that those classified documents were in places they shouldn't be. Um, what do we do about it from now on? I don't know. I don't have any idea. It seems to me it worked. I mean, when you say, you know, what do we do after the fact? Well, it seems to me because, once again, Biden's lawyers, record, his private lawyers notified the White House that there were classified material at his private residence and at the Biden Center. The the Biden White House notified the National Archives and Records Administration. It seems to me that the White House was hoping the National Archives, wink, wink, nod, nod, would have allowed them just to put the documents back in the files and let's let bygones be bygones. But the National Archives and Record Administration has an inspector general. And once the inspector general became aware, he, not Biden, not the White House, he notified the Justice Department that President Biden has classified because documentation. Because there are potential crimes sure. committed. And it's his job. Uh, you know, I, I guess there's some integrity left in, in the federal government. But, um, but, but at that point, the DOJ, the Department of Justice, I mean, they had to know that Biden had illegally maintained classified documents at at least two locations. Now, we don't, maybe another one. I don't know. I mean, we know there are two locations, and we know there were in multiple locations in one location. I mean, it was in one place at the um, at the Biden Center. It's in multiple locations, garage and in files somewhere in an office inside the home. Um, and, and we know that some go back to his days in the Senate. But, but it's not like Biden tried to come clean. His private, why are his private lawyers rummaging through the home and the Biden Center a day or two or three before the midterms? Great question. I mean, I, once again, I'm total, this is total speculation. I'm, I'm writing a suspense novel. I don't have any idea <laughs> what, why they did that. I mean, it may have been the time for the wrap-up. They may have wanted billable hours. Biden may have had a lot of money in an account somewhere, and it was dedicated or, or, or determined it had to be spent on, on attorneys. I don't have any idea. Um, it may be a, a, a sweep. I mean, Biden may be the most uh, genuine man in American polit- political history, and he said, hey, let, let's make sure I've not done anything wrong. I mean, that could be the case. 
I mean, you got to put that on the table. Joe Biden could be the most honest man to ever sit in the White House. Okay. I don't buy that, but he could. And he could have said it was private lawyers. Hey, that there may have been a day back then that I took some things I shouldn't have taken. Let's fix that. Let's make that right. Or the Biden team could have gone to the Biden private lawyers and said, hey, Jim Jordan's going to be relentless. Comer's going to ask questions. And and there's some there, there's some classified material missing. That there there's a little bit of it at the Biden Center. There's more of it at the home. And 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 but but once again, to when when the media tries to tell you that everything has been consensual and it's all about um you know uh the Biden administration is working hand in hand with the DOJ. Remember that it was never the Biden lawyers who let DOJ know. It was the national. Um, this was the um, the National Archives and Records Administration's Inspector General who let the DO the DOJ know. And once the DOJ found out that Biden had what illegally maintained records or classified documents in two unauthorized um, places, man, game on. I mean, it, it's a big deal. Then let's take a break. We'll be back in just a few. 843-661-0937 takes Mondays to make Fridays. I want to make sure I'm following here the, the, the story. Okay, the Biden's personal lawyers discover the items. In November. In November. Before the midterm Before election. the midterms. Right. So they alerted the White House. Correct. They didn't alert DOJ, and the White House didn't alert DOJ. Eventually, the White House alerted the National Archives. The National Archives has an inspector general. The inspector general found out about it, and that's when he made the reference to DOJ. The Biden White House never asked the DOJ to intervene. It was the National Archives inspector general who asked the DOJ to intervene. Uh, That's highly questionable. I go back to the beginning. Why does Biden have personal attorneys scouring the Biden Center and his home for classified documents? Because he knew they were there, and he knew he needed to get them back where they were supposed to be before Jim Jordan and Representative Comer became chair of the House Judiciary and Oversight They might have thought they could just slide them right back what in. I mean, you got to them, and it once again, I don't know that. I mean, I, I'm, not, I'm not professing to know right. that. But I mean, maybe. I, I, I mean, it makes sense. I mean, if I were Joe Biden and I was in possession of classified material and I knew I was not supposed to have that classified material and I knew more likely than not the new Republican leadership in the House is going to aggressively investigate Vinnie Barbarino and Hunter Biden. <laughs> that ends up being my problem. Let me dispose of these classified documents if I can. That's kind of a um. I mean, that's a movie script. I don't know that that's what happened, but it sure seems that way to me. Let's go to the phone. Mike in Darlington. Hello, Mike. Hey, uh, you uh, killed part of my question right there. Uh, because I was interested in knowing about the uh, the uh, Inspector General's involvement and how much weight that carried. But uh, I think you skipped over something. Why is Ron Klain leaving right now? He's tired of being president. <laughs> <laughs> well, it, I'd like to think that, but I don't, I don't think that type of person gets tired of power. Uh, the uh, question is, I wonder how much his involvement was with uh, shuffling these documents around, especially they're all over the place. They're not in one place like uh, Trump had his in a single room down there in uh, Miralago. Uh, he's got them all over the place, all, o- all over a couple of states. So what uh, 
what kind of control do they have over the documents like that? Did he smuggle them out in his socks and his underwear or what? You know, and Trump, ne- thank you, Mike, Trump never denied that he had classified documents. Weren't they just debating whether he had the right well, to and, keep and, them Well, and, and he was debating whether he had declassified. I mean, he said, I could thank them into being there. I mean, that's a crazy answer to give. But, but Trump never denied that he had classified documents. He argued that they were classified, but he declassified in his mind. I mean, that's kind of a weird way to look at it. Biden, but I mean, Trump didn't say, I don't have them. You can't come down here and look. I mean, you know, you, you don't have a legitimate or valid search warrant because I don't have anything here. And I'm going to go back to something I said earlier this morning. When you read what happened on Friday and Saturday, DOJ took possession of materials it deemed within the scope of its inquiry. This is their statement, including six items consisting of documents. The media is saying it's six documents. My interpretation of the DOJ statement is not that. I mean, it may be six documents. Could be boxes. It could be a hundred documents in in uh, wow. you know, in six. It says six items consisting of documents with classification markings and surrounding materials. Um, some of which were from the president's service in the Senate. Some of which were his tenure as vice president. That's their words. So, so what is an item? I mean, is an item one sheet of paper or is an item a folder with a hundred sheets of classified material? I don't know. I mean, I would imagine at some point in time we'll get clarity on that, but we certainly don't have it. Don't have it today. And uh, and I've tried to provide, uh, not the paper trail, but the um the the complaint Andy McCarthy has is the media is when you would expect this from the media. The media is trying to make it appear that Biden, the second he realized he has some classified documents, he tried to come clean. That's not true. I mean, that's absolutely false. That that is the furthest thing from the truth that you could imagine. Now, how long Joe Biden's had these classified documents? I don't know. What sort of classified documents are there? I don't know. Who's had exposure to these classified documents? I don't know. Those are the kind of questions a Judiciary Oversight Committee hearing could potentially get to the bottom of. 843-661-0937. Back in a minute. 843-661-0937 is our number. Hour number three on a Monday morning. Let's go to the phone. Someone's there. Terry in Lake City. Good morning, Terry. Hey, good morning, guys. How y'all doing? Hey, Terry. How are you? Uh, trying to keep my feet dry, bud. Uh, <laughs> got, a, got a question for you. Something that I, I can't figure out, maybe I just don't know or whatever. The National Archives, do they are they not audited? Or, or I mean, the, the material that they keep, you know, warehoused or on hand. I mean, you go to a library, you check out a library, you don't bring that thing back for 20 years. They'll be able to tell you whether or not you've still got that book or not i mean it, it just seems like there's something pretty lax with people just able to just take things not bring them back insecure whatever not even being able to have the security clearance to uh to have the ability to even take those materials uh from the archives and the other thing is if if trump and biden's got this material scattered around or in places uh what about clinton obama and everybody else before him? What about, I mean, just got a question. Just wondering if you have any insider knowledge on any of that. See, and I don't. Thank you, Terry. That's a good question. I mean, I, I know this, having read through a lot of these um, uh, these situations over the past couple of weeks and since Trump got accused of And Trump didn't deny it. I mean, Trump admitted that he had classified material, but but it's not important. I mean, it's mine. It's a, it's a letter that 
you know, a foreign leader wrote to me, no, Trump, that's classified material. Well, not anymore because I thought it in to be declassified. I mean, that, that, you know, but that, he didn't argue whether he had it or not. Terry's asking a question about is there a cataloging system or a, an auditing system that you know where the documents are at all times. Apparently, there's not. Um, I do know this. There are about four and a half million Americans who have um, classified, uh, they have clearance. I mean, they have clearance to read classified material. There's about one and a half million Americans who have top secret clearance. Now, now what is the difference in classified and top secret? Don't have any idea. I, I would imagine there's stages. In other words, if a letter from a foreign leader is classified material, it's not top secret. I mean, I, you know, um, I, I can't imagine Kim Jong-un sending a letter to Trump saying, hey, for a million bucks, um, I'll give you a million bucks if you'll share with me, you know, where your nuclear weapon codes are. I mean, that, that's kind of, um, I mean, that's Superman don't fly movie <laughs> um, script sort of stuff. Now, But once again, I don't have any idea what the auditing process is to find out whether there are documents missing. How many documents are there? I mean, it's got to be millions and millions and millions. Um, is there is there some provisions that allow presidents to remove some documentation that normally would have been classified, but to put in some of these presidential libraries? I, I don't have any idea. And I think we're finding more about this brave new world of classified information, what you can and cannot do. But um, But the interesting part of this to me is the media is trying to argue that Joe Biden has been working with all law enforcement agencies and government agencies, for that matter, when he has not. He simply, that's simply not the truth. And I tried to articulate a second ago um, how this has worked out. And, I mean, I'm sure that's the fact. Now, once again, I don't know what's in the classified material. I mean, if, if you've got half a brain, you've got to speculate that, I mean, let, let's go down the worst lane imaginable. You ready? So, Terry, I don't know how they audit the books. I mean, I really don't. I don't know who's in charge of making sure the library book gets returned. I don't have any idea. I know there are four and a half million Americans who have clearance. There are one and a half million Americans who have top secret clearance. What that means, I can't begin to tell you. We may try to run down somebody in that field and uh, and find out if we get somebody to come online and tell us. Um, I think presidents can carry classified material to the Oval Office. I think presidents can have classified material in their position or in their possession at places other than the, the National Archives, some of the viewing rooms, and um, the Oval Office. I mean, I think that's the case. Not sure, but I think that's the case. But but who says, you know, all the prisoners in bed did not lock the door? I, I don't have any idea. And if somebody is in charge of doing that, they've done a lousy job since sometime uh, during the Biden um tenure as, as a member of the Senate, because we know now that that's not the case. The point I'm trying to make out is that the Biden administration has not worked, as the media says they have, to make sure they do right on the after-the-fact accountability. They just not. Um, I, I said it again, and I'll say it. I've said it before, and I'll say it again. The, the only reason DOJ got involved is because the, the National Archives Inspector General referred this to DOJ. So, so let's speculate, Reb, that, that Joe Biden, I mean, let's play this out to the nth degree. I mean, let's be RNC 101. I mean, we're trying to, to nail Biden to, to a tree. Joe Biden knew that he never would get rich in the Senate. 
and he wanted to be wealthy. And he had a brother, another brother, and a son who would do anything it took to trade in the family name. And they began dealing with foreign governments. And the foreign government said, well, that's not worth any money. Everybody knows that. Show me something. What did I'm Gordon Gecko tell? I mean, tell me something I don't know. Remember Anacott Steel and all that? I mean, everybody knows that. Bud Fox, tell me something I don't know. And, um, and Biden really wanted desperately to be wealthy. And the Biden family wanted to be wealthy. And, and next thing you know, when he is a member of the Senate, he provides a classified document to a foreign government. This is hypothetical, guys. I'm hypothesizing. I don't have any idea that this is what happened. The, the foreign government saw great value in whatever information Joe Biden provided to the point that they were willing to employ his brother and son. And he kept providing information. Um, is it one page of document? I mean, the, the six items, or, or is an item a folder of documentation? Don't know. Don't have any idea. Uh, is there 20 pages in one folder? Or is it simply six sheets of classified material? It could be a letter from a foreign minister. It could be harmless. There could be nothing here. But if you want to play out the most dastardly of all schemes, go back to the Senate. Biden wants to be wealthy. He knows he's not going to get wealthy unless he does things, you know, different than most senators do. Or maybe most senators do this. He just runs for president and happens to, because they all end up unbelievably wealthy, you know, on a um, a slightly above average income when it comes to, I mean, I'm talking about living in Washington. I mean, if you make a buck 85 in Florence, you're doing real well. Sumter, Orangeburg, you're doing real well. A buck 85 in Washington is a lot different than a buck 85 in South Carolina. And that's kind of what these uh, members of Congress make. So, 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 so Biden provides his first classified document to a foreign government. The foreign government sees great value in that, and that creates a long-lasting 30-year relationship that culminates with Joe Biden becoming vice president, his son becoming a member of the Burisma board and the C, this Chinese energy company's board. Now, once again, I'm hypothesizing, but isn't that fairly reasonable? I mean, if you've got classified documents in a home that Hunter Biden has access to, in fact, Hunter Biden says he owns the home, but he pays his father 50 grand a month to rent a bedroom in the home. I mean, there, there are a lot of things that just don't make sense. Now, can we get to the bottom of it? If Jim Jordan and, and, and Representative Comer are as serious as they say they are about judiciary and, and oversight, we will. How long will that take? Don't have any idea. How many people will plead the fifth? Don't have any idea. Uh, how many subpoenas will be? I, I don't have any idea. But but I think that's where we're going to head at some point in time. And, and all I'm doing is saying that that a guy who's never made a lot of money because he's never had a job outside the Senate ends up with a nest egg that, that includes a, a couple of million dollar beach house, uh, a, a pretty lavish lifestyle. Um, he has said some things publicly that lead you to believe Remember when he said they fired the SOB? I mean, he says yeah. these kind of aggressive things. Um, and, 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 and I think the difference, somebody asked me over the weekend, the difference in Biden and the Clintons. The Clintons are smart. I mean, they're very strategic and tactical. I mean, if you're going to get Bill Clinton, you're going to work long and hard. I mean, Bill Clinton is no, I mean, anybody that can convince the American people, their two definitions to the word is, I mean, he's a shrewd, smart politician. Biden's not. I mean, Biden is a simple-minded um, hanger-on who's been a member of the Senate since the mid-'70s and, and kind of outweighed 
everybody. I mean, he's the last man standing when it came to who can beat Donald Trump in 2020. And he wins that, you know, by default. He wins that nomination by default. And um, and then he just kind of, you know, stays out of the way and lets Trump do what Trump does. And the um, the machine on the Democrat side do what the machine uh, tends to do. But but there are a lot of questions here that that they're 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 speculative answers, but they're not crazy answers. T- top secret information is of value to some people, and they haven't cleared any of this up. No, so we're just left to speculate. Well, I mean, the, 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 there's a reason that the Bidens have not answered any questions. I mean, if I'm a Biden, I'm behind the podium saying, "Look, I've had nothing to do with this." I mean, in any way, shape, or form. I mean, I've never advantaged myself off of my brother, you know, um, trafficking in confidential information or classified documents. Nobody from the Biden family has said anything remotely close to that. And that leads a lot of people to be suspicious of what they've done, how they've done it, and how interactive that's been with our government. Let's go to the phone. Rujan, good morning. Good morning. Uh, Ken, here, here's the thing. Um, what, what, what's going to happen is you're going to find out in those classified documents the secret and how, the when, and where Biden got 81 million votes. That's what's going to happen. So just hang on for that. Just hang on. It's just coming. But, but the thing about it is, I mean, we're, we're old enough to remember the Dewey Decimal System, that cataloging system that the libraries had. Well, the military and uh, government agencies have the same cataloging system for classified documents. <clears throat> and what's, what, what's going to happen is, I, I just, I'm looking at this thing, and I'm looking at it, I'm looking at it, I'm thinking... Biden might get a slap on the hand, but the person that was the IG, the Inspector General, the person that was in charge of cataloging and making sure these documents uh, were where they're supposed to be is the one that's going to get really, really spanked in this whole thing because they're ultimately responsible uh, for the security and the safekeeping of these documents and making sure that they're there. And I think that they're where they're supposed to be. And I think that's what's going to happen. That's that's going to ultimately be the fall guy. But, uh, you know, it, it's kind of like, uh, it, it, this thing stinks to high heaven for me, Ken, because, you know, as many, as many classified documents I saw when I was in the military and knowing the chain of custody you got to have, you know, it, it's just not, it's just not feasible that those documents, and now they're saying that, that uh, uh, he had documents from when he was in the Senate. I mean, that's back 2007, 2008. I mean, that's way before he became, that's before he became, you know, vice president. So he has no cover. He shouldn't have had these documents in the first place. So somebody, somebody's butt's going to be hanging from a yard arm. I know that's an old term. Uh, but uh, I just don't, I just have a sticky feeling it's not going to be, you know, Joe Biden, but I think it's going to be an, an inspector general, low guy, low hanging fruit, you know, that's going to wind up getting his plan for this. Thank you, Rujan. I appreciate that. You know, when you look at Trump, and I don't know this, but but Trump was a bit petulant. I mean, he loses the election. Uh, he doesn't think he lost the election legitimately. He likes being combative. So when DOJ or the, the National Archives says, hey, you got this stuff that belongs to not you but us, bring it back. I mean, Trump's already aggravated. He's, I mean, he said, yeah, guys, anybody that supports Trump knows how petulant he can be. <laughs> And and I'm not saying petulance is the reason he's Donald still Trump fighting the system of the swamp. Well, I mean, and, and he likes being combative. 
So when they say, hey, you've got some things that don't belong to you, Trump says, no, I don't. Yes, you do. No, I don't. You know what I mean? So I can see that being very um, combative and confrontational, but, uh, but I'm speculating totally and completely speculating on Joe Biden, but Joe Biden's made a lot of money, and people wonder how Joe Biden's made all this money. His kid has made a lot of money, and people wonder how he's made all of this money. So you got a father and son who don't seem to be uniquely gifted at making a lot of money, and all of a sudden the father and son share a residence where their classified information um, kept. How can we not go down that rabbit hole? I mean, it would be absurd and bizarre and irresponsible for someone not to consider that as one of the alternatives or options. Let's go to the phone. Matt in Florence. Good morning. Hey, guys. I can give you a, a small bit of a rundown uh, as far as the classified stuff. Like, classified documents are all uh, they're put into different categories. Uh, there's secret ones. There's for your eyes only. Uh, there's top secret. And then there's uh, the third. I won't even... I'm not even going to say the third. I, I still have enough respect for the country. But um, so they all get put together, but you have to get different levels of clearance. Like whenever I was in, I only had a secret clearance. But if I wanted a top secret clearance, there's a whole background check process and everything that happens. And then, like, if you take an aspirin, you can lose your top secret clearance uh, without telling somebody. If you get into a car wreck, you can lose your top secret clearance. So it's just kind of shocking to me the way, the way these documents are floated around Congress. They're treated very differently than the people in the military were. Like we had to have special burn bags for old classified documents that we were trying to get rid of, and we, we would take them to a burn place. So like armed security would take them there. So these things just sitting around in people's houses is disturbing as hell to me because I know what some of them were. They could be like uh, – uh, schedules for checking buildings or troop movements and, and things like that. Like, you have no idea what you could be getting into with a classified document. And it's honestly, I think they're going to find out he was selling them. Um, but it doesn't seem like anybody gives a crap. I mean, Democrats don't care. All they want to do is win. Like, it's not about uh, the morality or, you know, how it affects the country. But those documents, it's just crazy to me to think it is. The level of scrutiny that I was put under when handling some of them, as opposed to what Congress does, it seems like they're paying for ice cream with them. Um, it's just a really, a really weird thing to me. Thank but you. Appreciate that, Jason. And, and I don't know this. I mean, do all members of Congress have top secret clearance? I mean, when you are sworn as a member of Congress, I know the president does, and I think the vice president does. Um, does some of the administrative um, officers have top secret clearance? In other words, is um. Is the vetting for a senator simply winning an election? If 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 Lindsey Graham wins the election as a U.S. senator, or or you know Russell Fry wins the election as a member of Congress, does he automatically um, fall under the, the the I don't know the guidelines or parameters of top secret clearance? Or, or could you be an elected senator and be denied a I don't top know. secret clearance I, I don't, because of something else? Don't, don't have any idea. Interesting. I mean, th these are questions yeah. that I'd love to have. Um, you know. Regarding security clearances, um, what rules apply to whom? That would be kind of interesting to me. Jason just talked a little bit about being a former member Matt. of the military. Matt. I'm sorry, Matt, a former member of the military, what all he had to do or didn't do or could do or, or not do. Uh, you, you got security, but you don't have top secret um, clearance. You want top secrets, you got to do all these other sorts of things. But your job doesn't really – I mean, I don't have any idea what the realities are or of that world. But um, regarding security clearances – 
what rules apply to the political class. Does a member of Congress, the day Russell Fry got sworn in, I mean, he's, he's, the, he's the new kid on the block. The day that Russell Fry gets sworn in as a member of Congress, can he go to the National Archives and say, I want to review documentation X, Y, Z? Um, are there some things he can see and some things he can't see? Uh, because once again, if you see it, you can't unsee it, right? I mean, if you know it, you can't unknow it. I mean, I understand there, there are issues you can have, and we've had, we've had traitors. I mean, we've had treason committed against America by former politicians and, uh, you know, government agency or agent heads and um, after the fact selling information or disclosing certain things, secrets of our government, don't have any idea. But, but if, you're, if you want to make a lot of money and you end up making a lot of money and it's hard to understand how you went from wanting to make a lot of money to making a lot of money and you've got a kid and a brother involved and the next thing we know you had classified documents in places where they weren't supposed to be where else does the general public go family wants to make a lot of money family ends up making a lot of money family ends up having access to classified material i mean i'm not being accusatory but isn't that kind of I mean, you don't have to hit me in the face of the wet mop. I mean, I, I'm awake. You know what I'm, I mean? Anybody can say, yeah, that should be yeah, an option. It's plausible. Worth considering. Take a break. Back at a few. 843-661-0937 takes Mondays to make Fridays. It's kind of a, um, a chilly, brisk uh, winter morning in South Carolina. Not, not unexpectedly cold, but cool none, nonetheless. Having been in manufacturing, I was always curious about the electric vehicle and then what sort of effect or impact cold weather would have. During Christmas, we had rolling blackouts in South Carolina. We had issues with water. Cold weather just makes infrastructure more complicated. Um, for a long time, all we heard were the positives of electric vehicles, nothing about negativity. Uh, it went from being a concept to a reality. People are driving electric cars now, but the, the range for electric vehicles are, are much less in cold weather than they are in warm weather. Fox News Radio's Jeff Manasso is in, I would imagine, Frigid, Chicago this morning. Jeff, good morning. How are you? Hey, morning. Yeah, it's cold here in Chicago. In, in all electric vehicle driving ranges, they shrink in cold weather, meaning there's even more range anxiety, that fear that EVs will run out of power on the road, leaving drivers stranded, uh, You know, as well as a, a reduction of performance. Some EVs can lose up to 35% of their range in freezing conditions. The effect of cold weather varies widely from vehicle to vehicle, and online battery health reporting company Recurrent collected data from EV owners and onboard vehicle systems to basically estimate how much range is lost between 70 degrees and freezing. Uh, of the 13 vehicles studied, the worst performer, the Chevy Bolt, with a 32% drop in range. The Ford Mustang, uh, Mustang Mach-E premium all-wheel drive with extended range battery and the VW ID4, both with a 30% drop in range in cold weather. Uh, the Tesla Models uh, 3, Y, S, and X all lost a range of about 15 to 19%. The Jaguar I-Pace performed the best, losing just 3% of its range in cold weather. And the Audi e-tron Premium Plus was the second with an 8% drop. But both those models benefited from using a heat pump for their climate control systems. Without it, who knows what would have happened. 
So, Jeff, do we now, I mean, when you buy a car, do you ask the verified winner range? I mean, is that is that a newfound question <laughs> that if you're thinking about purchasing yeah. one of these electric vehicles? Yeah, I mean, look, you know, batteries, when it's cold, batteries tend to lose their performance. And, and it's, you know, whether it's in our lawnmowers or our tractors or whatever we have, if it's cold, you're going to lose some performance. And, uh, you know, it turns out electric cars are no different. So um, it's interesting. Some of the tips that they're giving, that auto makers are giving people is to uh, use less less options like heated seats and steering wheels. Uh, and, and, you know, to allow the, the batteries to perform better. Who knows if consumers will do that, but um, yeah, I guess if you want to get to point A, to, from point A to point B in an electric car, you're going to, in, in the, in the cold weather, you're going to have to maybe, uh, you know, make some sacrifices. So electric cars in Florida, not so much in Green Bay, is kind of what, <laughs> is this kind of what I'm hearing. Correct. Thank you, Jeff. Yeah. Appreciate your time. You bet. You know, I mean, people just made this seem, this transition was going to be so easy. I mean, I read, I heard, I listened to people like Gore and Kerry and a lot of liberals, a lot of some conservatives. And, I, and once again, I'm not against innovation. Uh, the entrepreneurial spirit will carry the day with me every single day. But but to believe that we were just going to throw internal combustion engines aside and, and you know, everybody was going to be happy as they could be, you know, just never want another internal combustion engine ever again because this electric vehicle is going to revolutionize all of our lives. Mm-hmm. It's absurd. I mean, it's this is going to be a complicated, a very complicated transition that will probably take a couple of generations, not 10 years, as the current administration um, says will happen. I mean, it's absurd to believe we're going to stop the way we did things all these years and, and create a new and better way in a decade without some ancillary problems uh, that that eventually arise that we're seeing now. Uh, I read this uh, one day last week that um, the Mustang's about thirty percent less when, in, in cold weather, and I'm talking about sub freezing below thirty two degrees. Well, I mean, you know, half the country is less than thirty two at least six months of the year. So um, there, and if, uh, they, if they ever hope to fly airplanes off a of battery, you know, yeah, what's, what's the temperature yeah. where airliners fly? About minus a hundred, yeah, something like that. Don't don't book that trip from um, Ottawa to, to Montreal. I'd say Let, let's let's go to the phone. Someone's there. Jeff in Florence. Good morning. Hey, good morning. Hey, Jeff. Uh, yeah, the planes will be flying on hydrogen. They're already working. Oh yeah, it's that. easy as that. I oh, mean, no, yeah. no problem. Yeah, I'm, got that yeah, figured I mean, out. They're, they're testing those engines right now. Yeah, they've already had planes that have flown on renewable uh, jet fuel. So, uh, but uh, the, there's nobody coming to take your car or your gas stove. Um, <laughs> Hey, um, you, right. you asked you're asked how politicians get rich. How do you think they get rich? Ah, uh, well, I mean, a lot of them are rich when they go there. But if they're not, like a Lauren Boebert or uh, well, I mean, or, so, 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 uh, some Nancy Pelosi. I mean, some yeah. Nancy some, Pelosi. Some, yeah, so, well, although her family was wealthy. Well, I mean, you're right. Her family was wealthy. So, some um, retire and go into lobbying. And they get wealthy. I mean, John Boehner. Boehner never made a lot of money until he retired. Paul Ryan never made a lot of money until he retired. Now they're both making, you know, multiple millions of dollars uh, per year. But I mean, if you're in the if you're in Congress and you you have a burning desire to get wealthy, I would imagine you um you 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 break the rules. You settle in. I mean, you you peddle influence. Yeah. Well, or you you use insider trading. And that's, that's how most of them get wealthy. But that's that's breaking the rules. I mean, that's against the law. Oh, it is. Yeah. It is. Yeah. It absolutely is. Like, 
uh, Richard Burr from North Carolina, Leffler from Georgia, Purdue from Georgia. It's not it's not a, de- a Republican thing. Democrats do it also. They all trade on the intelligence that they see and the information that they see. It doesn't have to be trading information to foreign governments. These guys have access to, hey, there's a pandemic coming. You know, if I buy into these stocks that might be developing, um, you know, uh, vaccines or making masks or that's exactly how they uh, achieve most of their wealth. But on your question about the um, security clearance, um, it's not automatic. Um, when you become a member of Congress, there is a review process they have to go through. And if you remember, uh, Jared Kushner and Ivanka could not get their security security clearance. Do you remember that? I don't remember that. No, they uh, they were not eligible for security clearance. There was too many um, outstanding debts, and a lot of things can cause people not to get security clearance. Um, and and it's it could be as simple as if you're too in debt, they fear that you could become susceptible to influence from foreign governments. Makes sense to me. I've always felt that way. Yep. Yep. And and it's, I mean, you could be in the military and have your security clearance pulled because you're going through a nasty divorce. Um, so if you're, if there's a tool that a, a government or an agency or a foreign actor could use against you, you can lose your security clearance at any time. But um, as far as uh, the security clearance in the White House, um, if if Trump wasn't president, he wouldn't qualify for security clearance. But he was. Therefore, he did. Correct. But after he left the administration, his security clearance was pulled. Mm-hmm. And that's that's a rare thing to happen. He's the only actual U.S. president that has had his security clearance pulled. But he's the only guy that's ever taken on the establishment, the um, the, the the orthodoxies of the elites, the the insiders, the deep state. I mean, there's a lot of different the empire is striking back. Yeah, I mean, sure. I mean, to, to 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 suggest that Trump is the most careless American president ever is just. Uh, I mean, Bill Clinton comes to mind. Um, oh, he was definitely compromised. Yeah, of course he was. I mean, he was at least yeah. as compromised as Trump would have been. But, um, but I mean, you can't certainly was. The difference was Trump didn't have the Russians in the Oval Office without anybody else in there. You're talking about Trump, Clinton. I mean, Trump, I think you misspoke. No, you no, said Clinton no, didn't. No, no. Oh, yeah, I'm sorry. Right. Yeah. Trump did not have. Uh, Clinton did not have the Russians, the Russian foreign minister in the Oval Office with nobody else present. He wasn't actually overheard saying, yeah, I got rid of that Comey guy. Things are going to get easier. And you know Trump said those things. Isn't DOJ investigating everything about Trump today? I mean, isn't there a special counsel waiting to maybe or maybe not indict Donald Trump? They they are working on that. Sure. I mean, I'm I'm fine with that. I I don't have any problem at all with that. I don't. I don't have any Biden, problem at all I with don't that. Have a problem with it? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, the one on Biden—that's legitimate. Do it. So, but anyway, um, good. Uh, good talk. But it's always important to remember that um, you know the the uh, when you talk about how people get wealthy, there's there's a path for wealth that doesn't involve taking foreign secrets and sounding them. It's just breaking every other U.S. law. Yeah, but I'm not sure Biden's smart enough to do that, Jeff. I mean, I, I think a lot of the people you mentioned previously 
would, would have the acumen to understand the way to connect those dots. Uh, it's pretty obvious to me that, that the Bidens are not the sharpest knife in the drawer, therefore placing their son, their, their, you know, the kid who has all the problems on corporate boards and paying, you know, multiple millions of dollars a year or $50,000 a month stipends. I mean, that seems to me the way they got rich is a little bit unique and different from the way the majority of others do. Well, I mean, like, uh, let's be honest, um, you know, uh, I I think that uh, if you go back and look at Biden's tax returns, 20 plus years, over 20 years have been released. If there was something there, there, wouldn't they have found it by now? Are you saying there's nothing there, there? Because if you are, you're going to regret saying that. His, his taxes have been out there. Why did Trump hide his so hard? I mean, Trump's a prop. Trump's made some money in the private sector. Oh, yeah. See, see, I personally don't think a president should be forced to make his tax returns public. You don't? No, 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 not at all. Money from the Russians that, and the Chinese that, that, that would problem. discourage successful private sector people from ever running for office. I mean, the last thing we need to do is to um, to suppress the desire that successful people in the private sector have to seek public office. I'll, I'll just ask you th- this one question. So the, the GOA, the government account, uh, you know, accountability office independent, um, do you know how much the, uh, the GOP and Republicans have spent at the um, Waldo Pistoria hotel that formerly was the Trump hotel in DC? I don't have any idea. Okay, it's less. It, it's two thousand dollars since Trump sold the hotel. Do you know what they spent and what foreign government spent on that hotel? I, I would imagine a lot more to get into the president's good graces. Uh, tens of millions of dollars. And did they break any law? And you, the the, the enumerations clause. Well, no, let me, do, they are they being no no? You 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 did they break they a law? Not. Has there been is, has Trump been charged for a crime in regards to how many nights the GOP leased hotel rooms at the Waldorf? But it wasn't just the GOP; it was a Chinese delegation. Well, I mean, but but I'm it asking you a question: Is Trump under investigation for that? No, they okay, said he didn't break laws. The, but I, I'm just you, you just find it coincidental that now the money stops. No, 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 not at all. Thank okay. you, Jeff. <laughs> we we got to take a break. I mean, I appreciate. It. I mean, and I mean that. I, I appreciate the um the discussion. And you scratch your head a little bit. I thought we were talking about Biden and classified documents. Right, well, Jeff is always good to call in and say, yeah, but Trump. But Trump. I mean, that, 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 that's where we are today, guys. Trump is the measuring stick. I mean, it, it's it, but Trump. You know, the, the Democrats spent trillions. Yeah, but Trump. The Democrats class, but Trump. Um, it's the Trump derangement syndrome. Jeff would refuse to admit that he is addicted to negative news on Donald Trump. But he is. We have a sitting president under investigation for mishandling classified documentation at his private residence. And Jeff spent five minutes talking about what Trump and Jared Kushner and uh, Ivanka Trump. And, and we know that. I mean, do you really believe that Washington is going to cut slump Trump some slack? Of course not. I mean, if there's anything, if there's any I Trump didn't dot or T he didn't cross, He'll pay the most extreme price any politician has ever paid for not dotting that I or not crossing that T. Take a break. Back in a minute. Takes Mondays to make Fridays, 843-661-0937. Got our, it's a couple of calls here real quick. Joe is calling in from Florida this morning. Hello, Joe. Hello. 
Maybe Joe is not calling in from Florida this morning. Let's go to another line. Mike in Effingham. Hello, Mike. Morning, guys. Uh, I'm going to hit a few topics here, but it's real easy. Um, Sometimes y'all make me wonder if I'm a Democrat or Republican. You know, (laughs) I I, I like to classify myself as an independent. Now, the clearance level, I did do military. Your clearance level in the government or with anything is based on the job you do. So sometimes you ask yourself, like you asked Mr. Fry, well, how did you end up on this committee? Sometimes it's as easy as I was the only one that could qualify for that committee. Not, is it not just presidents, that's senators, that's anybody. If you don't have the clearance to qualify that committee, we go to the next person that can qualify, which runs back to the topic of it's not what you know, it's who you know or what you can qualify for. Now, peddling influence, I think Biden gets off on this, and I also think Trump gets off on this. Because politics in Washington is politics in Washington. It's a great move by the by the uh, Republicans to wait to make this an issue after Trump's issues get so far and they get in control. Because now you wash one hand, we wash the other. It all go away. We're all politicians. See, we, we regular people out here having these debates and we worried about this stuff. When they're politicians playing the game and they already know the rules. One hand's going to wash the other. Both of these issues are going to go away, so both sides are happy. The problem with Trump or the deal issue with Trump was Trump wasn't, wasn't afraid to expose everybody. And, and so everybody had to go to a different game and play a different game. What's going on has always gone on. If I know, if I if I can put Ken R. names on my resume as a business partner, it doesn't matter what else I know or what I can do. I get you access. And as long as I feel like I got access to somebody with power and somebody in name, then I spend what I got to spend because I think one is going to outdo the rest. So with that, what I'm saying is Hunter Biden didn't have to know nothing, but he was Hunter Biden. So, and if he's dumb as a rock box of rocks, like you say, then that made him even better because now I think I can get more out of him. So I'll put more money into him because the good is going to outweigh the bad, even if it's nothing but blackmail money. I'm going to get something out of the deal. So the deal in Washington is who you know and what you got access to. That's the way they make their money. That's the way big businesses make their money. That That's the way the rich stay rich and the poor stay poor. I can go to college and be number one in my class. But if my daddy don't know so-and-so and your daddy do, who's going to get the job? Who's going to get the spot? That's that's all I really got to say. That's uh, a lot. Regular people got to think about these things and stop. Uh, being on on a party side and being on the countryside because both parties playing the same game because both parties get the same money. Thank you, Mike. Appreciate that. And I'll say this because I thought about it during the weekend. If Joe Biden had gotten Hunter Biden a job at the Department of Archives, or excuse me, the Department of Interior, paying $150,000 a year and he didn't deserve it, that's one thing. I mean, that, that is access to influence. I mean, I, I've kind of played both sides of that. I mean, I, there's been times in my life that, that I could be influential. There have been other times in my life that I needed access to influence. But he's getting millions of dollars in a, in a field of expertise he knows nothing about. That's the, that's the problem here. Hold on to that. We'll be back in just a few. Sit around the house 
Get high and watch a tube And here's what happened when they decided to cut loose They headed down to Ooh, El Paso I swear they ran into a great big hassle Billy Joe shot a man while robbing his castle Bobby Sue took the money and run Eight four three six six one zero nine three seven is our number. Uh, a fairly prophetic song there, <laughs> an, an appropriate song. Um, take the money and run. I want to get back to something we talked about in the last break. Was well, something that um, uh, Mike was it? Mike who said, uh, Mike "Yeah, I think Mike from Effingham was the one that kind of led the conversation about you know uh, selling influence, peddling influence, having access to influence." I don't think the general public are that bothered. Let's use Joe Biden and Hunter Biden as an example. I don't think the general public would be that bothered if Joe Biden had found his son something to do in government that paid him a good salary. He could get back on his feet and work. In other words, he probably got preferential treatment, no doubt about it. But but to sit on a board that he has no expertise and make $8 million over the last or the past four years or three years or whatever time period it was, that he made about $8 million and, and you know, back-channeled some of that money. To, that's different than insider trading. I mean, if you are, if you're in Congress and you have a week's notice on what the government may or may not do in regards to the pandemic and you realize that, hey, they're going to force mask mandates and Pfizer and Moderna probably are on the fast track to having a vaccine and you call your, your uh, stockbroker and say, hey, Buy me some Pfizer, Moderna, and 3M stock. But that's insider trading. That's illegal. But I don't think the American people are ah, as taken aback to things like that as they are when when a when a, a senior senator or excuse me or vice president or president their kid ends up on a board making millions of dollars. I mean that's just totally inappropriate. So, so when you start talking about selling influence, peddling influence, having access to influence, and then you talk about looking after your family members, I think the general public understand. I, they don't have sympathy for it, and they wish it weren't the case. But they've accepted that as the dirty nature of American politics. You know how those damn politicians are. You know, they look after their family. And Mike said it right. You know, if a certain name ends up on a certain place, and and to your benefit, you've got a better chance. I mean, there, there's no doubt about that. I'll give an example. Um, th- there were several times I was asked to intervene in, in affairs of business. And I mean, they weren't asking me because I knew better about their business than anybody. They were asking me because they knew that I could get a meeting with a senator to hear their plea, to, to hear their disagreement, to address their concern potentially. But but I, I just think when you start, and we don't know any of this is true. I mean, I don't know what happened with Hunter and Joe Biden. I have suspicions, but I don't know. Um, I mean, you, you talk about Trump and, and, and politics. Name an American president, not named Donald Trump, who got poorer after he left the White House than he did when he went in. I mean, we know that. I mean, we know that Donald Trump lost money. I mean, it cost him an enormous amount of money to become president of the United States. Why does he not get any credit for that? 
I mean, the guy went in worth X. He came out worth X minus 15 or 20 percent. Didn't take the presidential salary. Well, I mean, didn't take the presidential salary, but but more than that, lost golf tournaments. And, you know, I mean, you know, Jeff's real quick to say, do you know how much the GOP spent with the Waldorf? But but he hesitates when he says, you remember the two PGA events that got canceled and the one LPGA event that got canceled and the people that boycotted his tower and boycotted some of his hotels? I mean, we're, you know, we're quick to mention where Trump was on the inside. But when Trump went to Davos, the World Economic Forum, when Trump went to Davos, you know what he said? I'm not president of the world. I don't have any interest in being president of the world. I mean, I, I'm basically, I mean, he didn't say this, but he said it without saying it. I'm a nationalist. I mean, I want to make sure America is great again. I'll let you folks say grace over Europe and Asia and do the best you can to find, you know, uh, rooting and, and prosperity in your models of government. But I didn't come here to apologize for anything America's done. I came here basically to tell you that if you don't pay your fair share, we're not paying more than ours. And that, you know, that went over like a lead hammer in, in Davos, but it, 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 you know, it resonated exceedingly well amongst the, uh, the average American yeah, citizen. But, but I don't think the American public have a problem if Joe Biden had helped his kid get a job at a national park. But Joe Biden didn't do that. We believe that Joe Biden peddled influence to the American government in the name of the American taxpayer, and his son was the conduit. His son sat on the board. Why is his son on that board other than having access to Joe Biden? And why do you want access to Joe Biden if he doesn't provide you anything? I mean, if you've got access to a to a former senator, current vice president, but he doesn't do anything, how long do you allow that kid to stay on the board? How many, how many stipends do you pay month by month, year by year? You, you don't keep doing that that there was something in it for them. And, and I got to believe, once again, family didn't have much money. One member of the family gets in politics. The next thing you know, the entire family has a lot of money. There are classified documents that, that aren't where they're supposed to be. And then once again, 100% speculation. I don't know any of this to be true. But you got to kind of put two and two together at some point in time and set it at an equal five. It doesn't equal six. It doesn't equal eight. It equals four every single time. Family didn't have a lot of money. Family gets a lot of money. One member of the family's in politics. One Another member of the family sits on boards and, and, and they, they get all involved in consulting and lobbying and all these other sorts of things. And, I, and that's different than getting your kid a job at the local national park. That's a different animal. I mean, that happens all the time. Um, somebody's family member can't land on their feet. They go to a good friend of theirs who happens to be in Congress, and the good friend says, look, I can't put your son uh, over the Department of, um, excuse me, um, the Department of Natural Resources, but I can get him a job, <laughs> you know, at one of the, um, one of the local um, beach front parks or whatever. That, that's just, I don't say people expect that. But they kind of, they understand that. They're not deeply disturbed by that. They're deeply disturbed when, when, when the kid begins to get millions and millions and millions of dollars, and you wonder where the millions and millions and millions of dollars end up, and it looks like some of those millions were back-channeled to the very person yeah. 
who's settling what, what is the he selling? Well, that's correct. Exactly. I mean, if he, if he doesn't have anything to worry about, he doesn't. And I just wonder how much longer Biden's going before he announces to the public his version, his story, um, you know, from point A to point B to point C to point D to point E. You know, here's why those documents were there. Because he says right now, I didn't know they were there. Well, I mean, if people, you know, the liberals will say, I mean, if I accuse Biden of being in cognitive decline, the liberals will say, no, he's not. No, he's not. Not at all. But when he says, well, I mean, I don't, I don't recall why they may be there. That's when they'll say, well, I mean, he's slipping a bit. You can't have it both ways. Let's go to the phone. David in the PD. Hello, David. Yeah, I guess the song used to be Steve Miller, take the money and run. I guess it's take the money and shuffle your feet if you can, especially if you got cover. Uh, I'm going to take you down a little path here. You guys remember a band called the Bengals? Of course. Yeah, Rev Wood. Oh, Rev yeah. Wood. Rev Wood. <laughs> Susanna Hoffs. Yeah. Rev knows this. Rev knows that. What, what's the lead singer of the Bengals? Susanna Hoffs. Susanna Hoffs. Who's she married to? Ken, I mean, Ken or, or Dave? I don't have any idea. <laughs> I don't know. The guy's name is Jay Roach. So does she want to be Mrs. Roach? Uh, so she'll keep her name. The only reason I bring that up is says Hollywood can clean up your history. Uh, and Jay Roach is a producer director. He has had movies called Recount, uh, Game Change. Uh, there was some sort of LBJ movie he produced, uh, The Campaign. Remember that one with Cam Brady? Mm-hmm. Remember that movie, Ken? I do. Okay. And then that was one China was going to take over a district in North Carolina. Well, I wonder where they got that idea from. But, uh, it, it, who was the hero of the recount movie I'll set? Ron Klain was a hero in a movie called Recount. Now, I'm watching this whole story, Ron Klain. What is Ron Klain going to do? Y'all need to follow Ron Klain because he is the puppet master. He has been there with Gore. He's been there with Clinton. He's been there with Obama. He's been there with this whole group uh, of people. He is the ultimate political operative. So follow Ron Klain, you can follow the Democrat Party. And I would I would tell Jeff, is it your money or is it the government's money? Uh, leave it at that. Thank you, David. Appreciate it. 843-661-0937. Someone on the phone. Let's go there. Larry and Sumter listening to WDXY. Good morning, Larry. Good morning. I'm changing my name this morning to Nostradamus. And here's my prediction. In nine months, Joe Biden will be sick and ill and he will leave the White House, leaving Kamala Harris in charge, but not before granting his son Hunter Biden a presidential party. Wow. Thank mm. you, Larry. Appreciate that. Um, there's a, uh, a prediction. Uh, pretty out there, but not as out there as you would imagine. Yeah. If Larry had said that 10 years ago, somebody sent a, a policeman to see him to make sure he's not <laughs> suicidal or, uh, or going to cause harm to somebody else. But we just live in this age and era, and I think government has contributed mightily to the, I don't know, the natural suspicions that most of us have about whether our government is shooting us straight or whether it's not. David was talking about Ron Klain. I mean, Klain is one of those guys. I mean, there's no doubt about it. He is, um, I mean, he's a David Axelrod, George Stephanopoulos. Um, give me a bet, Rahm Emanuel. I mean, he's been inside the belly of the beast a long time. He understands. He's somewhat of a survivor. I mean, when I saw where Klain had resigned as chief of staff, I wondered what he knew. I mean, as much as we know, he knows a lot more than we do. 
Uh, he knows where the um ah where, where the where, where the uh, you know the cracks in the machine are or the cracks in the arsenal are. Um, is this timing coincidence? What I mean, I, I don't know. Is anything? I mean, chief of staff don't stay forever. True. I mean, they don't. It's a um it's a job you get tired of sooner sooner than later, especially if you're somebody like Klain who's not um not singularly focused. Klain's probably got a lot of interest kicking around. And I want to go back to something Jeff said, because I don't deny what Jeff said about insider trading. I just don't think we're as bothered by that. I mean, if you find out that somebody made a good purchase on their portfolio because they're a member of Congress, yeah, I mean, it, it, it irks you a bit, but it doesn't surprise you at all. I think the, the shock factor is Hunter Biden. I mean, I think what the I think the revelations of the general public understand, guys. This story will become more and more mainstream as Biden refuses to acknowledge he's got a problem. I mean, if um if if you know if the press secretary goes out again today and and refuses to address in a more meaningful fashion, it gets to be a little bit bigger story tomorrow. And if Biden tries to make his way to you know to Marine One and he refuses to answer questions or he says things like there's no there there, uh, this story becomes amplified. It becomes a much bigger a bigger issue for the Biden administration, and the American public start paying a little closer attention to this. The majority of people are still watching Seinfeld. Don't ever forget that. I mean, you and I are more tuned in than 80% of Americans. We're one of the 20% who consume political news daily. Um, what is the highest-rated political talk show in America today? Tucker Carlson. I mean, he has about 4 million viewers a night. That means 330 million aren't watching. I mean, just kind of hold on to that for a second. So, so we've got this, this kind of a, um, I mean, it's a universe. There's no doubt about it. Uh, the majority of talk listeners probably watch a couple of Tucker episodes a week. Maybe not every night because there are other things we're interested in. But the majority of us consume a lot more political news than most. So we're, we're, we're kind of um, intensely aware of what is happening with Joe Biden. But, the cons- you know, the average, pu- if you went to my wife, if you went to my wife and said, hey, if you, what do you know about this Hunter Biden, Joe Biden um, classified document story? She said, I know a little bit. I mean, I know some, but, um, but, but I've not been consumed by it. I've not gone on Twitter every day to see what, you know, these four people have to say. I've not gone to the six websites every day. I don't know what Andy McCarthy wrote about it. I don't know what the New York Times is reporting about it. I know there's something there, and I know, you know, they've got a problem, but I expect them to clean it up because they just always kind of sort of do. You know, or they um they allow for the cleanup because this guy would be more establishment-oriented. I think there's a belief there amongst the public about that. I think Jeff subconsciously admits that. Probably never would over the airways, but I think Jeff believes that they'll – I mean, th- th- there's a there's an anticipation in Washington today that Biden will some way somehow be allowed to clean this up. That there's an anticipation that there's no way they'll allow Trump to do the same. I mean, there is a double standard. There are two sets of rules. Um, I mean, if I'm somebody who didn't want Trump to run again and doesn't want him to be president again, I am furious with Joe Biden because there was one thing that you could nail Trump on, and that was his you know, unwillingness to be responsible. I mean, the guy admitted he had unclassified, I mean, classified documents that didn't care. And you can kind of characterize him as somebody just too loose and fast. Now, now the Trump supporter doesn't care. That's kind of what they like about Trump. <laughs> you know, he's not the best rule follower in the world because most of the rules are stupid. It's kind of what they've concluded. I mean, that would be, I mean, I'm in that boat. 
I mean, you know, Trump doesn't follow all the rules. Good. Why? Because some of the rules are stupid. They, they shouldn't be uh, followed. But, but they've taken that off the table now. I mean, how do you indict Donald Trump and not indict eventually? He can't indict a sitting president. But how do you indict Donald Trump and not indict Joe Biden? I mean, the indicting is already happening. I mean, the accusation that he has, you know, top secret classified information at multiple locations that were accessible to people other than himself. One of those people in particular is his son who has been paid millions of dollars to do things that most people don't believe he was qualified to do. That's kind of a, um, I mean, that's a challenging narrative for a gifted politician. It's dawning for someone who's not very gifted and Joe Biden is not that gifted. Biden doesn't get the Trump benefit. And the Trump benefit is, yeah, I mean, I don't follow rules because I think rules are stupid. I mean, Biden has been the guy that historically has said, you know, you can't do it that way. Remember what he said? Uh, he was disgusted by the way Trump dealt with classified documents. Um, he was alarmed at the um, at the level of unseriousness that the Trump administration um, had toward classified documents. Well, it seems to me that Joe Biden has a bigger problem with classified material than Donald Trump. Why is Biden's problem bigger? Because Trump never denied having classified documents. I mean, he said, we're working with the DOJ. The DOJ said, no, you aren't. Well, I think the DOJ didn't think he was, and Trump thought he was. You know, who, who are you to tell me I can't do this or I've got to do to do that? The, the revelation with Biden is we found out. We found out he had documentation. Then we found out he had more. And then more. And I just think Joe Biden has a much bigger problem with classified documents than Donald Trump. We know that they were first discovered before the midterm election, but it was much later before the public knew about it. And that's problematic. Take a break. Back in just a few. 843-661-0937. Our number, someone's on the phone. Let's go there. Angela in Florence. Good morning. Good morning. Um, so, two things. First of all, I think Trump's going to be here Saturday, not tomorrow, right? I read it tomorrow. I'm sorry. It may not be tomorrow. It might be Saturday. I thought it was going to be tomorrow. Yeah. I think it's Saturday. And um, at least I'm supposed to be there, so I'm hoping it's Saturday. Um, and then, second of all, Lindsey Graham has absolutely no support in South Carolina anymore. I don't know why in the world Trump would put him on his team. I mean, I really don't, because everybody that I talk to says Lindsey's got to go, and I totally agree with that. So I, don't, I don't know what he's thinking about putting Lindsey Graham on his team. But, Angela, hadn't we heard that before, and Lindsey wins... In a landslide? Oh, yeah, but we haven't had anybody to run against him. That, you know, it's like the lesser of, of two evils. But I think this time going around, I think everybody's so fed up that I think we're going to have several people that are worth listening to and worth voting for that... Um, to go against him, and one that I I hope would I wish would would run against him is Mike Rickenbaugh. That'll be interesting. Thank you, Angie. Appreciate the call. Isn't that Angela? Uh, Angela, yes, okay. Angela. And uh, and I did I did just look it up. The twenty eighth Saturday is the scheduled event. It may be that he's announced. And I remember Tuesday I had a conversation 
and seems like tomorrow is when they might announce some of their leadership team, and then they'll be in town um, Saturday to make a big splash in South Carolina. You got to believe some of that is geared toward discouraging Governor Haley from getting in. I don't think anybody can beat Trump not named Ron DeSantis. I mean, I think I have a pretty good understanding of the Republican electorate, and I just can't imagine. I mean, if, if it's not Trump, but DeSantis, who is it if it's not those two? And I just think Haley falls in that category with this, uh, Pompeo and Pence and, okay, there's something there to like, but these two are so far superior. It's a little bit like, I mean, I'd rather have Secretary of Seattle's Lou. Well, it's almost like we've got a race with Secretary at Seattle's Lou, and it'll be Trump and DeSantis. Now, now if DeSantis doesn't get in and Trump's ceiling is 38 or 9 or 40, then, yeah, yeah, I mean, th- th- there's room there. But but I just for the life of me I can't see it. I mean I just uh, you know if let's say there's um there's Trump Haley and Pence, no DeSantis Trump Haley and Pence who gets forty percent of the vote not named Donald Trump. I mean it, you know South Carolina's a winner take all state. The majority of primary states in a uh, in an open primary are winner take all. So um, Trump goes and gets forty percent. Haley gets twenty seven percent. Pence gets nineteen percent. Trump gets all the delegates or all the electoral. You see where I'm headed? Mm-hmm. I just I just don't know how you end up with somebody in a in a primary not named Trump or or DeSantis. And if DeSantis gets in, Trump's ceiling goes down because DeSantis steals from Trump, and he steals, I guess, to some degree from uh, not the Never Trump wing. I mean, the Never Trump wing will probably be for you know Pence or Pompeo, or it's kind of interesting. The Never Trump wing will be for the folks who work for Donald Trump. You know, Haley worked for Trump. Pompeo worked for Trump. Oh, that's true. The, the one thing Nikki's got to straighten up is um, she said if Trump were to run, she would not. She's on the record. And now she's considering a run at the presidency. But, you know, she says things change. And I guess to some degree, uh, they she said it's time for the new generation to I take guess, over leadership. Uh, sounds like a, um, a campaign slogan to me. Hey, it's time for our Takes Mondays to make Fridays Trivia, sponsored uh, by our good friends at Pepsi of Florence, 843-661-0937, our number. If you uh, know the answer to this question, you win a couple of six-packs of Pepsi product, as well as a Takes Monday, excuse me, one six-pack of Pepsi product, couple of Takes Mondays to make Friday's T-shirts. We talked about um, Tucker Carlson a few moments ago insinuating strongly over the airwaves that he believes Richard Nixon was replaced or forced to resign because he was going to spill the beans on who really killed JFK. That's conspiracy theory. (laughs) Has been for a long, long time. We know that Gerald Ford became president when Richard Nixon resigned, right? Mm -hmm. Who became vice president after Nixon resigned? Who became vice president of the United States of America when Richard Nixon resigned? Gerald Ford was elevated to the presidency uh, when I thought of Nixon, Tucker Carlson, it kind of reminded me of, I mean, I kind of knew this. I went back to confirm my suspicion, but I didn't know it. 843-661-0937. Do we have a call? Hi, you're on the air. You know the answer? Walter Mondale. Nope, not Walter Mondale. 843-661-0937. Do we have another call? You are on. Do you know the yeah. answer? It's Nelson Rockefeller. You're right. Nelson Rockefeller was elevated to... um. Vice President of the United States. When Nixon resigned, Gerald Ford becomes president. Who is this and where are you calling from? Uh, this is 
Tim in Orangeburg. Thank you, my man. Appreciate you listening over Orangeburg Way. Um, I'll get you back to Freehold. He'll get all the information so you can get your Pepsi product and your and your T-shirts. Your takes Mondays to make fry. We're still making an executive decision. We've not confirmed yet whether or not we're going to have other T-shirts be a 20 percenter. Remember, we're talking about what percentage of Americans have the ability to critically think. What percentage of Americans have the ability and the motivation <laughs> to critically think is probably less than um less than 20%. But yeah, Nelson Rockefeller became vice president. Um, Gerald Ford was, I think Agnew died, right? Or did, did Agnew he die? No, I may, may not have died. Did he get in some yeah. trouble? Uh, imagine yeah. that a politician getting in some trouble. <laughs> um, but, but Agnew, Gerald Ford was elected. Gerald Ford was president of the United States, never having been elected even vice president of the United States. What happened with Agnew? I should know that. I mean, that's a, that's pretty embarrassing that I don't know. Anyway, Agnew. I remember um, the name, and that's yeah, about Spiro it. Agnew the story. Um, and then Gerald Ford becomes vice president. Nixon resigns, and Ford becomes president. Ford pardons Nixon, and Carter beats um, Ford. And a lot of people, or most people, believe the reason Ford lost was because he pardoned Richard Nixon. Agnew resigned in 1973, the second vice president to resign the position. Does it say why? Mm, it does not. In, okay. the, in the headline, I pulled it. just it. did something stupid. I can relate to that, doing yeah. something um, stupid in the political world. Uh, yeah, so um, we spent the majority of today talking about the Biden documents. You know, I would imagine we'll have another press conference sometime this morning, and they'll, they'll argue that they've answered all of this. They'll refer to DOJ. I want to get on to some other things that I think are of interest and some of these committees are beginning to explore and investigate the vaccine, the origin of COVID, um, the FBI and Twitter story is still out there. Um, we spent a good bit of last week and a good bit of today discussing what is a very important political issue, that being Joe Biden having confidential material, classified documents in a home that his son had access to. Um, who put them there? Why were they there? Who knew they were there? Did anybody access them while they were there? Was that someone named Hunter Biden or not? I don't have the answers to any of those questions, but Republicans are in charge of the investigative abilities of Congress. So I would imagine we'll have a, a pretty intense investigation into some of those questions. And, um, and you know, the truth, as Martin Luther said, will set you free. Martin Luther King said, will set you free. We'll see how that works out in the end. Hey, enjoy your day. Um, we'll talk tomorrow, same bat time, same bat channel.